is a Santa Claus saying I won't be around this year. I'm a bit sick. Santa Claus has got the AIDS this year. And he won't be round to spread his Christmas cheer. The reindeer all look blue. They know what he's going through. Santa Claus has got the AIDS this year. He won't be yelling out, ho, 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 ho. But he'll be screaming out, no, 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 no. He's lying sick in bed. Call the doctor there instead. Santa Claus has got the AIDS this year. Each season he is full of pep and vim. But now the AIDS have got the best of him. The nurses all look sad, cause Santa's got it bad. Santa Claus has got the AIDS this year. Oh, this is Santa Claus saying, I won't be here this year. I'm sick in bed with the AIDS. Oh, but I'll be back next year, next year. Don't cry for me, a doctor will cure me. There'll be no jingle bells upon his sleigh. From everyone he's got to stay away. Twelve months to wait and then he'll soon be round again. But Santa Claus has got the AIDS this year. Oh, I'll miss you all, but I'll see you next year. Santa Claus has got the AIDS this year. And he won't be round to spread his Christmas cheer. The reindeer all look blue, yeah, they know what he's going through. But Santa Claus has got the AIDS this year. There'll be no jingle bells upon his sleigh. From everyone he's got to stay away. Twelve months to wait and then he'll soon be round again. But Santa Claus has got the AIDS this year. I said Santa Claus has got the AIDS this year. I said Santa Claus has got the AIDS this year. If Santa didn't come to your house three days ago, you know why. He's got the AIDS this year. That's Tiny Tim's song from 1985 that he did before he understood what AIDS really was. He just thought it was uh, some illness that you get better from. So uh, once he realized how ill-advised that song was, he tried to make an excuse that he meant the candy called AIDS. There was a candy called AIDS, A-Y-D-S. He, he claimed he was talking about that, though it made no sense in the context of the song. Clearly, he was talking about the AIDS that we're all familiar with. So uh, Howard Stern liked to torture him with that song every time he came on the show. Tiny Tim no longer can be embarrassed by that because he died a number of years ago. But uh, Howard gave it to him every chance he had. Like every Christmas, Howard played that. And I, I, I just, it's the funniest song to me. And I, me- I meant to play it 
on the last episode, I always play it the last episode we're going to have before Christmas, and then it totally slipped my mind. So I'm like, I'm going to play it this year, even if Christmas is now 362 days away, which it is. Doesn't matter, though. I'm a Jew, so Christmas is pretty meaningless to me anyway. Welcome to Booker Fraud Alert Radio. I am Todd Dandruff with Tellus. This is being broadcast live and recorded on December 28th, 2018, our final show of 2018. 9.12 p.m. is the time right now. We have a free roll tonight. We do. $150 being given away. Cash money. I can pay you by Bitcoin. I can pay you by a bank transfer. I can even pay you in some other ways you might be able to think of. Uh, You might want to think about... Some other way that people have been using to send money on the internet that's been around for almost 20 years and used to pay for things at auctions that might be online. A a certain service that's pretty well known to do that. I I might be able to pay you that way too. So if you want it that way, you can also message me. The prize pool breaks down as follows. First place is $75. Second place is $40. Third place is $25, and fourth is 10 That's 75 40 25 and 10 on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You need a separate account there. It needs to be verified. If you're doing it at the last minute, as I'm doing this show, I'm not going to validate your account. You need to either PM Belly Buster on the form, that's Belly Space Buster, or get a hold of me to validate your account. There's always people who frantically ask me to do it as the radio show has already started, and usually I won't do that. It's just too disruptive. The rules for the free roll, which you must know, they don't change very often, but you must know them. Otherwise, you may not qualify for the free money. You can find find it at pokerfraudalert.com slash free roll, pokerfraudalert.com slash free roll, All lowercase. Make sure you read it and you familiarize yourself with the rules. If you want to call into the show tonight, the phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. The Mount Charleston line, still not working, please do not call it. But you can call the call-to-listen line. The call-to-listen line is a very special phone number that you can use to listen to the show on your telephone. It does not require a smartphone, will not use any of your data. It does not require a data plan. It does not require a computer or the internet. All you need, all you really need is any phone that can dial a phone number in the United States. That's all you need. Even your grandmother's old rotary phone will work to call the call to listen line. The phone number is 605-313-0736, 605-313-0736. You just call, you listen, it never buffers, it just plays, it just works, it's so easy, it's great. And when we're not on the air, if you call it up, you will hear a streaming rerun. It'll pick a rerun from our library of almost 300 shows and just play it in full. You'll join it probably in the middle somewhere. And then when that's over, it will pick another one again and again and again until we come back live on the air. That's the call to listen line. Other ways to listen to the show, I want to remind you, you can use iTunes. You can use Stitcher. You can use Radio Public. These are all apps that 
you can use to listen to it in podcast format, not live format, but uh, if you want to hear the archives, or sorry, the archives, uh, you can use those methods. You can also download the MP3 directly from our server in the radio forum. You can... Also use an app called TuneIn. TuneIn works to listen to both the live show and the archives. There's two different entries for Poker Fraud Alert on TuneIn. One for live, one for already completed shows. You can even listen to the streaming reruns on TuneIn under the live show entry. Amazon Alexa will work to listen to this show. If you want to listen to the live show, you say, Alexa... Play Poker Fraud Alert Radio on TuneIn. That's what you have to say. Alexa, play Poker Fraud Alert Radio on TuneIn. If you want to listen to the latest show in the archives, say, Alexa, play Poker Fraud Alert Radio on uh, podcast on TuneIn. Play Poker Fraud Alert Radio podcast on TuneIn, you have to say to Alexa. And you'll hear the latest show in the archives. So the word podcast is what brings it to the archives. If you don't say the word podcast, it'll play the live show or the streaming reruns. And if you're listening to the archives, you can go to the previous show by saying next. It's backwards. You say next to go to the previous show, and you say previous to go to the next show. Don't ask me why it's designed that way, but that's the way it is. But you can use your Alexa device to listen to this show. The free roll, by the way, you have until 9.40 Pacific time to get in there. 25 minutes of late registration. It began two minutes ago now at 9.15 Pacific time. If you want to chat in the chat room, you can do so. You need a flash-enabled device, meaning no iPhones or iPads, but you can go in there during the live show and chat with others who are listening. I'll be honest, I'm not in there very much myself. I'm too busy doing the show, but I, I, doing the show, but I can check it. I want to give a tip to people who are having a hard time getting into the chat room on Google Chrome. Google Chrome, Google is doing to Chrome what Microsoft pretty much does to everything, and that is they're ruining it. Chrome was uh, once a great browser, but slowly it's getting worse and worse. And the latest dumb thing that Chrome has done, or Google has done to Chrome, is that they have disabled the ability to automatically run Flash. Sometimes it'll give you a little thing you can click on to start Flash manually every time, but sometimes it won't. So if you just go to the chat room on Chrome, it just won't start. If you go to the radio page... To play the radio, there actually is a place you can click to enable Flash to have the Flash radio player play to you. I'm going to have to all change. I'm going to have to change this pretty soon, though, because Flash is going away. Anyway, CalWatch is thrilled about that because he hates Flash. But the point I'm trying to make here is there is a workaround to this. There is a workaround to force Google to always run Flash automatically. There's no setting to do it anymore. But there is a workaround to trick Google into running Flash. To find this workaround, go to the Poker Fraud Alert forum. Go to the section of the forum called the Hacker's Delight. And you'll see I created a thread there about running Flash automatically through Chrome. Just follow the instructions there. And when you follow the instructions, your computer will give you some warning about how this could damage your your windows or mess things up. I forgot what the exact warning you're going to get, but ignore that. It's fine. 
what I'm having you download and run is not spyware or a virus or anything like that. It's nothing harmful. All it's going to do is manipulate Chrome a tiny bit to where it can run Flash. That's all it's doing. Uh, if you don't trust me enough to run that, then don't. But if you want to fix this issue with it not running Flash, so you can just instantly get into the chat room and instantly get into the onto the radio page and listen to radio there, uh, then I would suggest going to do that fix. So again, the Hacker's Delight section of the forum, and you'll see I created a thread about that. Just follow the instructions. It's very easy. It does not require a lot of technical knowledge. If you're still afraid to do that, there is one other way you can kind of work around it, but you have to do it every time, and that is just go to the radio page and where that little stereo normally is that you that will play radio, it'll give you the option to enable flash there. So enable flash there, and then after that, go to the chat room and it will work. So you can do that without doing my little trick. But my trick's better because it just automatically works. I really hate how companies just can't leave well enough alone with their products. This is especially true with tech companies. But it's also true with products that are are not technical products. There's products everywhere where people wish that they had the older version. The problem is that companies are always feeling like they have a need to change something or otherwise they feel like their product becomes old news, becomes antiquated – Or people don't have a reason to get the newer version because they're happy with the older version. So they've got to constantly change things. And even in cases where they don't need to make a sale with the new version, like like take Skype, for example. You're not paying Microsoft every time you download a new version of Skype. But Microsoft clearly felt that Skype seemed too antiquated and they wanted the interface to look slick and they wanted it to be easier on the user to just use it to make calls. And in the process, they just took away feature after feature after feature, and it became crap. So they ruined it when the old one worked just fine, and everybody liked the old one just fine. A lot of times there is change for the sake of change and not change for the sake of improvement. Some of you might remember Lotus 123, a spreadsheet in the 1980s. I used to see my dad using that all the time. I have to admit, as a teenager in the 80s, I didn't have use for spreadsheets. That's kind of more of an adult thing to run. But I saw my dad using it all the time. He loved Lotus 1-2-3. And then one day he wasn't using it anymore. And he said that what happened was that Lotus was too slow in releasing a version for Windows. And by the time they did, Excel had basically taken over. So Lotus blew it. That doesn't really follow what I was talking about there. I just thought of that for some reason. I I have no idea why I just brought up Lotus. I was talking about changing things to the setting of changing, but this is the opposite. Lotus should have changed. They should have released a Windows version, and they didn't. Well, whatever. There are many times I'm sure you have encountered in your life that things have changed for the worse. So here's something that changed that has nothing to do with computers, but two things about houses that have changed in recent years or recent decades that have pissed me off and that I wish were the old way. In the 60s and 70s, and maybe even before that, most houses had a ceiling heater in the bathroom. 
which was very useful. So if you'd go in the bathroom and the bathroom is cold, or you're taking a shower and you wanted extra warm in there, then there's a heater that's in the ceiling that you can turn on with a switch there, right next to the light switch. And this was very common in houses and even apartments that were built in the 60s and 70s. The house I grew up in, which was built in the early 70s, had that. And I enjoyed it very much. Then I started to notice that in newer properties built in like the 80s and 90s, that had gone away. And it was replaced with kind of a heat lamp type thing. A a second light that you turn on that's uh, supposed to have a different kind of bulb that that heats up the room. That wasn't the same thing. It's not the same thing as a ceiling heater, which kind of functions like a a space heater. Except it's not a space heater. It's actually uh, embedded in the ceiling. But uh, a light, even a light bulb that does provide more heat than the typical light bulb, that doesn't do the same thing. That's not as effective. So I was, I was already annoyed seeing that. And then it went away completely. Now you'll see in bathrooms in modern homes, modern meaning built in about the last 20 years, you'll notice that there's just a light and a fan. And that's it. There's no more heat. It's gone. I don't know why they took that away. I thought it was great. People are no less cold today when they take a shower as compared to the 60s and 70s. You're still you know, you're still cold when you get out of the shower because the water is evaporating off your body. And bathrooms are still cold. They tend to not be heated as well as bathrooms in the past. I know some bathrooms now have vents in them for the heat, so they, the the heater will heat it. But it's still you still you still would like to have a heater in the bathroom. Unless you're one of these people who just doesn't like having the heat on when you take a shower. But I definitely like to be warm when I take a shower. I know a lot of people who do. Benjamin loves it. But what I do now is actually bring a space heater in the bathroom and turn it on uh, when I take a shower. And, and Benjamin loves that too. And I told him there used to be a heater in the ceiling. It's very sad that got taken away. Admittedly, it's not as efficient as it could be because heat rises. So I wouldn't want the heat in my home in the non-bathroom rooms to have the heat coming from the ceiling. But in the bathroom, it's it's small and you're not there that long. So it doesn't have to be efficient. It just has to work. That's all that's important. So that's one thing that's stupid. Another thing that's stupid that's in houses built, let's say, in the last 20 years is that they've done away with a door between the master bedroom and the master bathroom. So now it's just an opening with nothing separating them. Which, again, I think is stupid. What if both people don't get up at the same time? Why should noise that one person makes in the bathroom, even things like just taking a shower or brushing their teeth... Why should that drift into the bedroom and wake the other person up? Why should there be no door? But there isn't anymore. They just make it an opening. And when I was looking for a house to buy, I was very particular that the opening would be small enough to where a door could fit in there. Some had huge openings where there was no way with that major construction that, that you could change that. 
So I was looking for something with a, with an opening between the master bathroom and the master bedroom to where a door could pretty easily be put in. And, and that's what I did. That's what I got. <laughs> and immediately I had a door put in. So those are some things that were just changed for stupid reasons. I don't know why they did away with the heater. And the thing between the master bathroom and master bedroom, I believe that was done to give everything a bigger and more open look. But as far as being practical and useful, they took a step back. I've never been a believer in form over function. I've always wanted things to work well first and look good second. I'd rather have something that's ugly that works well than something that looks good that works poorly. And that's that's my issue with Skype. It looks better now, but it works horribly. And they took away features. I'll take the uglier Skype that had all the features and worked from 10 years ago. I also like to say that I'm substance over symbolism. I think what you actually do is more important than what you pretend or claim you believe. Saying that you support something, saying that you believe something, saying that you would do such and such, none of that matters. What really matters is what you really do. That's why I give such a hard time on this show to limousine liberals, because limousine liberals are the worst. They're the ones who who claim to have their left-wing politics for moral reasons, and they state all the reasons why they wouldn't be a member of the Republican Party and why right-wingers are so bad, etc., etc., but then all the things they claim to believe they don't really live in real life. They do the opposite. They say one thing, they do another. And I, I realize that there's the same type of hypocrites on the right, in, in a different way And I hate them too <laughs> So uh, Yeah if you're going to say you believe something If you're going to say that you support something If you're going to say that Some belief is important to you Then when it comes to Your decisions And your behavior You need to remain consistent to it Now nobody's perfect Everybody will be a hypocrite at some point in their life but if you're a hypocrite over and over or if you're a hypocrite with major things, if you claim to care about the common man that, and that Republicans are greedy, blah, 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 and then you run a company that cheats people, then you're an extreme hypocrite. If you claim that homosexuality is a sin and it's evil, et cetera, et cetera, and then you're secretly a homosexual yourself, then again, you're a huge hypocrite. Okay, enough with uh, the philosophy here. Let's get going with the show. We're going to have Trader Ruski on tonight. Too late for Cal Watt, as you might guess. And I'm going to give you the agenda. Let's try to get Trader Ruski here. Let's try to find Trader Ruski. He said he'll be on tonight. We'll see if we can find him. And then uh, I'll give you the agenda, then we'll get going. 
Did I already lose the agenda tonight? That'd be pretty bad if I already lost. I did already lose it. I actually already lost the agenda before we even started. That's, I think, a record for me. Yeah, it took a minute to click in, but can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Hello, Troy Drewski. How's it going? All right. So thank you for joining me tonight. Oh, what is this? What is this? I heard a lot of uh, motion in the background. Are you situated? Yeah, no, I'm good. You're good. Okay. So here you is know, here is the agenda. I was chime in on the whole Microsoft thing from earlier, but okay. I'll, I'll delay it till later if it comes back up. Okay. Here's the agenda. You need to claim your Poker Fraud Alert free roll prizes or lose them. I'll quickly get into that at the beginning of the show. I am on the verge of filing my very first Nevada gaming complaint against a casino because I was banned from a major strip casino. Yeah. I will explain as much as I can right now. The segment might annoy you a bit because I can't tell you everything yet. In fact, there's a lot I can't tell you. But since I already made it public on my other forum, VegasCasinoTalk.com, which I suggest you check out if you haven't taken a look at it, VegasCasinoTalk.com, uh, since I made it public there, I will make it public here. But again, I can't give full details out yet. But never fear, this is not going to remain a secret for long. In not too long, I will be filing an official complaint with Nevada Gaming. And at that point, I will go out and be public with everything. But I'm going to give you as much as I can tonight. And I'm not holding this back just to be dramatic. There's practical reasons for why I'm holding it back, which I will explain uh, when I actually reveal everything. WSAP.com having more fail. It crashed in the middle of a tournament, and then players were left twisting in the wind, not knowing what to do. Speaking of the World Series, this is the, I'm talking about the real World Series now, not WSOP.com. A wife bought her husband into a World Series of Poker event in 2019 as a Christmas gift. And the husband cried on video and was just very, very emotional about the whole thing. And that has since gone viral. I'll play the video. I know you won't be able to see it. A lot of it is what you have to see because the guy's kind of silently crying. But you can kind of hear it. I'll play the video and we'll talk about it. And we will discuss whether the video is real or staged, which is a good question. Kev Math, who is a loyal listener to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, a great guy, a very, very helpful person to the poker community, has done this for many years For more than a decade, out of the goodness of his heart, uh, providing very useful information to people in poker. Very easygoing, non-controversial guy. Uh, Someone who really never seems to get pissed off or have confrontations with anyone. Kind of the opposite of me. But he listens to this show, and I want to congratulate him. He received a highly valuable gift from poker stars. Just for being who he is and doing what he does. We'll tell you about that when we get to that segment. Speaking of a gift, Daniel Negranu bought an insanely expensive gift for Amanda Leatherman for Christmas. I'll tell you what gift that was and analyze it a bit in what seems to be our weekly Negranu and Leatherman segment on this show. 
Harris Auction in Phoenix, a an Indian casino that's based uh, – well, actually, not in Phoenix. It's near Phoenix. It's in a town called Maricopa. They just ran an amazing promotion, a one-day promotion to earn 25 times the tier credits you normally would. But here's the question. If you earn seven stars that way, will you actually get seven stars or will, Sa- will Caesars stiff you? We will discuss that. Online poker is coming to Michigan, which is good news. We'll talk about that development. When Las Vegas is suing Resorts World in Las Vegas, uh, Resorts World hasn't opened yet, but it's on the way to opening. It's going to be a major casino in the same area where Wynn is located. Wynn is suing them for looking too similar. But is this lawsuit frivolous or does Wynn have a point? Finally, there's weird people who hang out at casinos. We all know that. I'm sure you've encountered many weird people in your time at casinos and poker rooms. And anywhere that gambling takes place, it attracts a lot of weirdos. There's weirdos who listen to this show. You'd be surprised at the type of people I've encountered here. Uh, Most of the listeners I like, by the way, most of the people that I've met through this show, I've liked very much. And most of the people I've physically met that have come up to me during the World Series or that I've uh, arranged to meet, very good experiences. Unlike Brandon, who just always has a bad experience when he meets people from from this show. And never his fault, either. That's the funny thing. You'd you'd think it's Brandon's fault, but it's not. Like, every time something goes wrong uh, uh, and then I hear both sides, I believe Brandon was in the right. He just has really bad luck with it. I've had pretty good luck with it, but I I have had some weirdos I've encountered through this show that have been a headache. But uh, a drunken gambler at Sands Bethlehem was arrested for assault on a woman that involved tickling. Yeah. Watch out for the tickler. There is a tickler outside of Sands Bethlehem. So that'll be our final story of the night. You got three minutes left to get into the free roll. And then that's it. Okay, so let's get going. Poker Fraud Alert Radio has been giving away cash prizes in our free rolls since 2012. Since we started. And up until April of 2018, this would be my procedure. This was my procedure as far as claiming the prizes. If you won, you were told to contact me and I would send you the money in the various ways that I offer to send money. What would happen over the years was that people would not claim their prizes. Now, it didn't happen where someone won like $100 and wouldn't claim it. Any large prize was always claimed. Even if not immediately, then eventually someone would come to me, hey, you know, a year and a half ago I won $75 and you never gave it to me. Like, well, you never asked. And then they'd they'd say, well, you never gave it? I said, no problem. And I'd send it to them. Like, they never expire. I would I would pay people years later if they never got paid. But at the same time, I didn't chase people down and say, hey, you never claimed your prize because, uh, number one, I don't have a way to contact everyone who wins. Some people are not forum members or I don't know their forum name and how it correlates to the name that won the radio contest. And, and when I would enforce that would be when they would cl- claim the prize. So 
unknown people can't just claim the prize. I, I won't give it to them. They have to meet the requirements to have been a member of the forum for a certain amount of time and all that other stuff you can find on the Free World Rules page. But until someone would claim the prize, I did not uh, try to investigate, okay, who's this person, who's that person? It would just be very time-consuming. So my attitude was, your prize never expires. You can claim it when you want. Well, someone pointed out that that way I was doing things was allowing me to keep unclaimed free roll prizes. This was not intentional, I promise you. I was just doing it in the way that was easiest for me, so it wasn't a big headache to pay people and to keep track of who was winning the prizes. I keep track of who I paid, but I wouldn't keep track of uh, every prize that was won. Basically, uh, someone would come to me and say, hey, I won it on such and such date. I'd see if I paid someone on such and such. You know, I'd see if I paid them yet. If I hadn't, I'd pay them. That was the way I was doing it before. But I didn't think about the fact that over time there would be prizes that weren't claimed and that, yes, in, until I pay out the money, I technically have the money. Yes, they can claim it any time, but truthfully, some people never will. For example, if someone won a prize of uh, $8 back in 2012, there's about zero chance they're going to come and claim it. So in that case, I've kept $8. And you multiply this by a number of free rolls that have occurred over the many years we've been on. Uh, Yes, I'm sure money accumulated of mine in my account that wasn't really supposed to be mine. It was supposed to be for, for the free roll. Again, wasn't intentional, and there was no way to figure out exactly what I had. So I said back in April, what I'm going to do is is start a new system to track every prize won and track which ones got paid out. And then after six months, all unclaimed prizes would go back into the free roll. So people had six months to claim their prizes, and that uh, at any time six months or later, then I would put it back into the prize pool. When I say later, I just mean like I, I didn't feel like updating that every week, but every so often I'd look and whatever was, whatever was more than six months old, I would uh, put back in the pool. And I also would post starting in April all the results and who got paid so anyone could audit it pretty easily if they wanted to and see what was unpaid. So there'd be no longer a question about this. Uh, and to make up for what happened in the past, I pledged to give $400 for the free roll. By the way, I think I forgot to say who donated this week. This week, the money came from Handicap Me, $25. Uh, $75 came from Scooter, 6945 and 50 came from me, from that 400 that I has, had pledged to donate and I've been doing recently. By the way, the Handicap Me money, there's a few people that he specified are not eligible, and one of the people who wasn't eligible won last week. So that's why we have 25 back in the pool this week because that person won a $75 prize and a third of that was Handicap Me's money. That was Snow Tracks. So that's why Snow Tracks only got 50 of the 75 and the remaining 25 went back into the pool and is being given away this week. Anyone who donates to the free roll has a right to exclude people they don't like. It's your money. You're donating it. I don't want to make you give it away to people you hate. So if you hate or dislike someone and don't want them winning your money, you have a right to specify that. And then, then if they win, the money will just go back into the pool for a future week. So since Handicap Me gave a third of the money last week, then the uh, a third of Snow Tracks prize went back into the pool. Anyway. I went through the list of people who were owed money. And I posted on the Flying Stupidity Forum, and you can go take a look at that if you want, a notice to everybody who hasn't claimed 
their free roll money, and I listed them, that it's about to go back in the pool. You have until January 6th to do it. Otherwise, you're not going to uh, you're not going to get your money. It's going to be dropped back in the pool, and that's it. Now, this is only for free roll prizes that have been won since April 2018. If you won it before April 2018, then you can collect at any time. But since I started keeping track of this very closely in April 2018, I do roll the money back in. I, I know a few of you have contacted me since the post, and I haven't responded to you yet. If you have contacted me, you will be getting paid. But anybody who has not contacted me and does not contact me by January 6th, then the money is going back into the pool for future free rolls. This includes Muzras, a guy named, who played under God Damn You. I'm not even sure who that is. Uh, Indy Rick and Larry Legend. Those four prizes are going back into the pool. And that's a total of about like $120. Also, there are some prizes that will be given back into the pool soon, later in January and in early February. So check the list and see if you're on it. And if you are, then claim your money, or if you don't want the money, redonate it. But just wanted to put that out there if you don't really read the forum. To check that thread in the Flying Stupidity Forum, it is called Attention Free Roll Winners Collect Now or Lose Your Money Forever. Because once six months pass, then at any time, your money could be confiscated and put back in the pool. And at that point, if you claim it, it's too late. It is gone. I think six months is quite a long time to claim a free roll win. All right, let's move on here. And by the way, I see Disposition saying in the chat, I saved some of my wins with Druff so he didn't have to send little checks. Since I'm not sending checks anymore, go ahead and, and claim the little wins now. So let's say you have a few wins of, of $10. and I don't give away less than $10 anymore. That's another change that we – the $10 is the minimum prize being given away. And that encourages people to claim them more. But a lot of people just let go of a prize of like 5 bucks because it wasn't worth the hassle to them. So 10 bucks is the minimum now. You can win here. But no matter how small your prize is, uh, go ahead and claim it because I'm not sending checks and I'm not sending cash anymore. So I'm only doing electro electronically. So I, I, I'm, I'm fine sending it to you if it's a small amount of money. Don't feel funny asking for $10. All right, let's move on here. By the way, Trader Ruski, we have a, a little money that is owed to you, like $12. You're on the list. Okay, let's, I'm going to talk about the complaint that I'm going to file to Nevada Gaming. But before I do that, I want to explain what Nevada Gaming is and does, because some of you don't really understand it. I'm sure you know Nevada Gaming is some sort of government entity that deals with regulating the casinos there. Most of you know that. But there's a lot more to Nevada Gaming than just that. First of all, it's important to understand that Nevada Gaming is actually law enforcement. They're the police. They're not uh, the typical police. You don't go to Nevada Gaming if, if somebody mugs you in Las Vegas. There you go to Las Vegas Metro PD. But Nevada Gaming is a law enforcement organization that can arrest people. 
and they actually have a lot of power. And of course their power is greater than the power of casinos. They can overrule any decision a casino makes if they're so inclined. Now they have to do it based upon the law, but if you ever have any kind of problem at a casino in Nevada, you have a right to demand that they call down a gaming agent to make a decision. Don't don't just take the casino's word for it that something they say is the truth. Now, you shouldn't bother gaming about every little thing, but if there is a real dispute, if there's some kind of real problem going on, and the casino won't work it out with you and you believe you're in the right, you do have the right to demand they call gaming or call gaming yourself, or you can go to gaming later and file a complaint. So now gaming is also sometimes called on customers, such as when uh, customers are, are cheating. And gaming can and has arrested people for such violations in casinos. So one thing that a lot of people are not aware of, and I was not aware of until this year, was that accumulated points at Nevada casinos are actually the property of the players. They're not promotional points. They can't just be taken away. And up until this year, I had believed that they were promotional and they could be taken away. Brandon has told a story before. I'm not sure if he named which casino it was, so I won't name that because I'm forgetting if he named it publicly or not. But there was a casino where Brandon earned $6,000 worth of points. And the casino decided he was an advantage player. And first they banned him. Then he got them to overturn the ban by explaining what he was doing that it wasn't you know, really an advantage play. I won't get into what he was doing, but uh, they agreed that what he was doing wasn't really violating their rules, but they still weren't happy about it. And what they did was they reinstated him but took all his points. And he actually accepted that at the time of, okay, that you know, it's their points. They can take them away from you if they want. That was what he believed. And when he told me the story, that's what I believed. And I said, well, that sucks, but I guess there's nothing you can do. Well, it turned out there was something he could have done. I believe now, since it's happened years ago, I think it's been too long. I, I don't know what the statute of limitations is, but I think this has passed for him. But apparently in Nevada, any accumulated points, and what do I mean by points? I mean like reward credits at Caesars. I mean uh, express comps at MGM. Any kind of points you earn from your play that you can use in the casino for something of value. Something of value could mean hotel rooms, food, free play, uh, something in the gift shop. Anything that you have actually earned and is, is placed in some sort of account. This does not apply to offers. So let's say you have an offer. Uh, come back to the casino between January 3rd and 8th and you'll get 500 free play and $200 of free food. Uh, You're not entitled to that. They can rescind that at any time. Why? Because that's an offer. It's not something you didn't accumulate it. You didn't earn it. They're just making you an offer for the future. But points that you have earned from your play actually do belong to you, and they can't take those away. If they do take them away, 
then they've committed a violation and you can complain to gaming. First, you're supposed to ask the property to reinstate the points and, and state to them that they're violating Nevada law by taking away your points. Uh, they'll probably give you the middle finger at that point. And then at that point, you can go to gaming and gaming can force them to, at the very least, give you the cash value of those points. A lot of people don't know about this, but that is the case to my knowledge. I say to my knowledge because I haven't actually done it myself, but I'm about to. I'm about to test this. I'm about to do this for the first time. I, I know of someone else who did it recently, who's well-known and respected in Vegas. I'll get to that shortly. But I'm about to do it. And this includes if you are banned. If you are banned from a casino and you have points you didn't redeem and can't redeem anymore because you're banned, you don't just lose them. They have to cash out those points for you if you cannot set foot on the property to cash them out yourself or to use them yourself. Like Let's, let's say you had uh, $60 worth of reward credits at Caesars and you get banned from all Caesars properties. Then they owe you 60 bucks. Because you can't come on property and use the reward credits. So all offers they sent you for the future are null and void. But any accumulated credits are yours. Where I'm not sure are things like guaranteed benefits, like seven stars benefits. There I'm not sure if those could be cashed out or if those are considered offers. That's kind of a weird thing in between. That would be a question for gaming. But that doesn't apply to my situation anyway. I just thought of that, though. Definitely any accumulated points you have a right to. Any offers for the future you don't have a right to. Any benefits that you earn from whatever tier you are at the Players Club, I'm not sure if if those are something you could claim. You could try, though. It's a very good question. So my situation involves the fact that a major strip casino, I won't say which one, but I will tell you it is not a Caesars property, so this does not affect me playing the World Series of Poker. But a major strip casino, which is not a Caesars property, has banned me, and it appears that my ban is permanent and will not be overturned. Now, why would I have been banned from a casino? I bet most of you, knowing who I am, I bet most of you are assuming right now that I engaged in some kind of advantage play and that they caught me and that they banned me. And that would be a good guess. If I, if I were to guess why I would be banned from a casino, I would say that's almost 100% the reason it would happen. But that's not what happened. I was not banned for any kind of advantage play. I was not banned for anything related to gaming. So they they didn't ban me for playing blackjack and counting cards. They didn't ban me for playing some kind of machine there that has some kind of uh, advantageous situation to it. Uh, They didn't ban me for, for gaming their reward system. Nothing like that. Nothing gaming related. And this is not a trick. 
This isn't something when you find out the truth, you're going to go, oh, no, that kind of is gaming-related. No, it is not gaming-related. It also was not related to any kind of confrontation. At this particular property, I never had an incident with security, never had any contact with security, never had any kind of incident with any employees, so I didn't argue with any employees there, didn't have any incidents with any other customers. There were zero arguments or confrontations at any point with anyone at the casino, customer or employee. Nothing like that ever happened in my history at the casino, which is interesting. At Caesars, I had plenty of uh, – I, I wouldn't say I, – I, I didn't do them disrespectfully, but I, I have had – uh, disagreements and arguments with employees over things that I, I didn't feel were right there. Uh, again, I always behave in a, a respectful and businesslike manner when this type of thing happens. I, I never use profanity. I never get threatening. I never uh, yell. You know, I. I but I, but I will have a spirited disagreement if if something is going wrong. I've had that at Caesar's properties, but again, this isn't a Caesar's property, and I'm not banned from Caesar's property. I'm, I, I'm in very good standing. At Caesar's properties. This particular property, I never had any incident like that. Never one thing ever I had to argue about when I've been there. Never have I had any problems with other customers. I mean, I, I can't stress enough this was not any kind of behavior issue, and it wasn't any kind of gaming issue. It was not an advantage play or suspected advantage play issue. So what could it be? Wouldn't be drug use, right? Like I don't, I don't do drugs. Never done drugs in my life. Wouldn't be uh, disruptive, drunken behavior. I don't drink. What could it be? What could it be? I'll tell you. I think I know myself pretty well. But if my past self could hear this broadcast right now. Let's say you take myself from a year ago and I'm listening to this broadcast right now. I would not be able to guess. I I would not even have the first guess of what it could possibly be. Because I've pretty much exhausted the the reasons that I could possibly get banned. If, if I had to guess why I would get banned, I would say most likely would be some sort of gaming situation where I'm doing some kind of play there that they define as an advantage play and ban me. And the secondary possible reason would be I have some sort of issue with an employee there and argue with them. Again, not disrespectfully, but just they they decide they, they didn't like the way it went down and banned me. I've never had that happen before, by the way. I've been banned for gaming reasons. I've never been banned for non-gaming reasons from casinos in my life. But... Those would be the two possibilities. Everything else, I, I, I think I can't figure it out. I also only found out about this ban over the phone. They didn't tell me when I was on property. In October, I called up this property to make a reservation to stay there. And they dropped the bad news on me that I was banned. And I was shocked. I was shocked because I had no reason to think I would be banned. I asked why. They said, uh, we can't see that. We just see that you're banned. I made a tremendous effort to find out why I was banned. And that proved to be very difficult. 
So let me bring this up here. You'll, you'll enjoy this email I got. Again, I have to redact some of this on the radio because uh, it'll give away which casino it is, and I'm purposely not revealing this right now, though you will know soon. So I got... Well, I'll tell you how I got this email. So I called up, and I, and I, I got transferred all around, and I just kept asking over and over, can you just tell me why? Just t- tell me what I did. I don't understand. What did I do? I know you don't have to tell me. Oh, before I read this, I should let you guys also know about what rights a casino has to ban people. Because I've on my Vegas Casino Talk forum, a lot of people are very confused about what rights the casino has and what they don't. So uh, I want you guys to all understand what rights they do and don't have to ban people. Casinos can ban anyone at any time for any reason except for federally protected discriminatory reasons. So they could not ban me for being Jewish, for example. They couldn't ban a person for being black or being gay or being old or being female or being handicapped. You, you, those would all be some form of discrimination, which would be illegal. Now, proving that can be difficult. But any other reason, even an unjust reason, they have a right to ban you. So, for example, we could they could say, we just don't like you. We don't like your personality. We think you're a jerk. What do we? What I could say. Well, what do you mean I'm a jerk? That's not what they told me, by the way. But I'm just saying. Let's say that was the reason. We just think you're a jerk. Well, what do you mean by that? We don't have to tell you. We just we just dislike your personality. You you can't come back. Totally legal. They could do that. So as long as they have basically any reason that's not a federally protected discriminatory reason, they can ban you. They don't have to prove themselves right. They don't have to justify it. And if you think it's discrimination, then the burden is on you to prove it. So let's take me. I'm a heterosexual white male in my mid-40s. So that counts out just about every possible form of discrimination, except for one thing. I am Jewish. That's the only minority group that I'm a part of. But unless I can show that they are systematically banning Jews from this property, which they're not, to my knowledge, and I doubt they would be, uh, then any claim I were to make about discrimination would fail. And, and to be clear, I don't feel that I was discriminated against. I don't feel that this had to do with me being Jewish. I don't think they even knew I was Jewish. So I couldn't just say, oh, the band's because I was Jewish, because then I'd have to show why I believe that and prove it. And there'd be no way I could prove such a thing. And in fact, I don't believe that to be true. Any other reason they can ban me? Any other reason? So there's people saying, oh, get a lawyer. If it's an unjust ban, you can sue them. No, I can't. No, I can't. So they don't even have to tell me why. They can say you're banned and we're not telling you why. They have a right to do that too. So at first, that's basically what I was being told. I was dealing with nice people on the phone who were, you know, they, they were trying to be helpful, but they were also saying, well, you know, sir, you know, we don't have to provide you a reason. Uh, you know, we'll try to look this up for you, but you understand that... Uh, this is something we don't have to do. And I said, no, no, I understand. I, I know the law. I know I know that you can ban me at any time for any reason. Just please, you know, I'm a, I'm a longtime customer here. Can you please look it up and tell me? I think that I may have been banned for something I didn't do because I can't imagine what I did. So finally, I got someone there who told me that they would have someone call me 
who was from the department there that had had me banned. I said, okay. They said, do you want a call or an email? I said, I definitely want to call. They said, okay, the guy will call you. So I waited, and about a week later, I got the following email. It said the following. It starts with a company name, which I won't respond, I won't reveal yet. So this company engages in a continuous review of its patrons to determine the suitability of continuing the business relationship with a patron. In some cases, our review of existing patrons discovers information that we previously were unaware of, and we may decide to terminate that relationship. In your case, we have made that determination and believe it is not appropriate to engage in a continuing business relationship. Very helpful, right? If that doesn't already sound like a form letter, the guy actually put this statement in quotes. <laughs> the, the statement's actually in quotes. <laughs> in case there's any doubt that this is just copy and pasted somewhere. He actually put it in, in quotes. And the, the, it was sent to me by a guy who identifies himself as, quote, investigator. So I tried to call him. His phone number is listed in this email. I tried to call him. Didn't answer. Tried several times. Never answered. Left a message. He didn't call me back. Left another message. He didn't call me back. Responded to the email. He didn't call me back. So uh, clearly that was all they wanted to say to me. And that basically said nothing. It, it, it was basically saying to me, uh, every once in a while we evaluate our customer base and, and see – if we want that customer to continue coming here and we've evaluated you and found out information we didn't know before and, and now you can't come here. And since it was a, but, but you don't remember anything, Drop? No, nothing. You didn't get a, was that the waitress firing? No, no, no. no. You couldn't get a bag from no, the gift shop nothing, or something? Nothing happened. And then I, I, but then I found out later – I'll get to that part of the story. I actually found out what the reason was, but I, I didn't know yet. So this email I received is on October 15th. So this is what I wrote back. The guy wouldn't get back to me, but this is what I wrote back to him. Uh, I wrote back immediately and then tried to call him also, and he wouldn't return my calls or emails. So I wrote to him, hello, guy's name. Thank you for your email. I'm a professional poker player and also a recreational casino gambler. I run a popular internet radio show called Poker Fraud Alert Radio as well as uh, two popular gambling-related forums. I understand that your company does have the right to ban me from their properties at any time for any reason. However, I am honestly stumped as to why this occurred. I've never had any kind of security or behavior issue at, at these properties. I have always treated all employees and other patrons with the utmost respect. To my knowledge, I have followed all rules, and, uh, all rules related to conduct on property. Furthermore, I do not have a criminal history, nor have I ever had an unpaid marker in my life, which is true. I also am not banned from any other casinos anywhere, and I've been gambling regularly for about 25 years. Would you be kind enough to explain to me the reason for this so I can better understand what has happened? I very much like these properties. I named them, but I'm not going to say it here. And it upsets me greatly that I can no longer enjoy these properties. Would I be able to speak to you or someone else on the telephone regarding what occurred? Thank you for your time and understanding. Sincerely, Todd would tell us, and I put my phone number. No answer. So it started to become clear to me they just didn't want to tell me. It's weird. Like, why not say? Why not say you did this and you're banned for this reason? 
why, why not tell me? It's not like it puts them any kind of uh, jeopardy to tell me this. So I, I let some weeks pass, and then I decided to take another crack at this. I said, still, this is weird. I, I just want to know the reason, and if there, since I can't figure out the reason, I want to be able to appeal this in some way. So I called around and finally got a sympathetic employee who was trying to help me. It was a woman who worked in a department that uh, that dealt with the casino, and she tried to pull it up, and she said, wow, I can't even see the reason you were banned. It's actually locked from me. They actually locked it from almost everybody in the company for me able to see why I was banned, which was weird. So she promised me that somebody would call me, and I said, can you please make sure somebody calls me and doesn't just send me a form letter? She said, no, no, I'll make sure somebody calls you. Well, nobody called me. <laughs> so I called her back, and I said, sorry to bother you again, but you know, the, the person you said is going to call me uh, didn't call. And so she says, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, they told me they're going to call. I'm surprised they didn't, so I'll, I'll talk to them again. Anyway, she put enough pressure on them to where I finally got a phone call in November. But it was about 10 a.m., and I was woken up by the phone call. And I saw the phone number on my caller ID. I knew it was that casino calling me. And I knew even though I was half asleep, I needed to answer because it's so hard to get a call from them about this. So I answered, and I had a discussion with another investigator, not the guy who emailed me, but a different investigator. Now, here's where I can't reveal everything, and it may frustrate you guys, but I was told a shocking reason for my ban. Shocking in that it was something that I absolutely positively never did, never could have done, nor could there have been any confusion that I did this. So, like, take the example Trader Rookie brought up. You know, may, maybe I was rude to an employee there and don't realize it. No, it, I wasn't banned for being rude to an employee. That's subjective. Now, that's something where I could feel I wasn't rude and they feel I was, and, you know, it goes from there. This, I was banned for a very concrete incident which they claimed occurred involving me that absolutely positively never happened there or anywhere in my life. Were you in Vegas at the time they say it happened? Yes, I was. Yes, I was. Well, no, they would, well, actually, I don't know because they wouldn't tell me what date it was. But I, I, I had been to that property this summer. So I, I, I don't know if the date they claim it occurred, but I think there was a mistake. Because, I mean, yeah, proving you were in L.A. or on a trip somewhere, I mean, that right there. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't, the guy didn't have the date it happened when he called me. But I was more concerned that the thing I was being accused of absolutely didn't occur. So I said, okay, you obviously have saved some proof about this. Go ahead and go check it. I want you to investigate more. Go look at the video. And if you need a picture of me, I will send you a picture of me. Just so if you need a, a description of me or whatever. Like, like I want you to make sure that the person you believe did this is me. Because you will see it is not when you look at the video. And... The guy was very surprised. He said, so you're telling me you never, you absolutely never did this. Nope. In fact, it involved uh, – actually, I won't, I won't go into it. I was going to say something, but I'm not going to say it yet. But uh, I can say it has to do with something they claimed I did, a, a specific behavior that I that took place 
something specifically I supposedly did, that there's no way it could have accidentally been done. It's not subjective. It's something that either happened or didn't. Now, on the Vegas Casino Talk forum, I brought up an example to show you the level of how outrageous this is. Now, keep in mind, this example is not what happened, but it's, it's something that would be just as shocking as this. Let's say I got banned for going and crapping on the floor of the casino. Let's say they, they banned me, supposedly, for pulling down my pants and crapping on the floor there in the middle of the casino. Well, I would know I didn't do that. I would know I've never pulled down my pants and crapped on the floor anywhere, except maybe as a baby. So that's not subjective, right? There's no way I, I could have done that and not remembered, and especially since I don't get drunk or do drugs. So like, I would know 100% no way that happened, right? So if they told me that was the reason I was banned, I would say, what? I never did that. I would never do that. Please check the camera. You'll see it was not me doing that. Now, that's not what they're accusing me of. I wasn't accused of crapping on the floor in the casino. But what they are accusing me of is equally as crazy. Something I absolutely wouldn't do and something that if they were to check the camera, they could clearly see if I did or did not do. So I told them, I said, please. And the guy said, you sure you never did that? I said, yes, I'm 100% sure. Please check the camera. Please check everything you can. I will cooperate fully. I can easily disprove what you're accusing me of because I know I didn't do it. The guy said, okay, well, that's interesting. Well, okay, so what he told me is stay away from the property for right now just to keep everything on the level here. And we're going to reinvestigate this. And I'll get back to you in about a week. So that sounded somewhat positive, right? That he's going to reinvestigate, that he's aware that I'm completely denying it. And I'm, I, I said, I beg you to go investigate more and look more carefully at the, at, at the camera. So he said he would. Of course, a week passed, nobody called me. A second week passed, nobody called me. So I hated to do it, but I called up that woman again who was uh, advocating for me at the casino. And I said, I hate to bother you again, but uh, I was promised a call back from this investigator. He said he was going to reinvestigate the whole thing because you know, what he told me I did wasn't true. And I told her what it was. And I said, I never heard back from him. She said, that's so weird because I saw him the other day in the hallway and I asked him, did you call Todd? And his response was, yes, I called Todd. I told him the reason he was banned. And while he didn't agree with the ban, he understood everything and we're done. That's not what happened at all. I didn't understand anything. I told them this didn't happen. (laughs) It's not like they said, you know, Todd, uh, you're rude to the employees here. You may not think you're rude, but you are rude. So we're banning you for that reason. I'm like, well, I don't agree. Well, I know you don't have to agree, but we're banning you. So I I would hang up from that phone call understanding. I would hang up not agreeing, but understanding. This I hung up not understanding. I was accused of something I absolutely positively did not do, and he promised to reinvestigate it. But then when he talked to that woman who works for the casino, so he had no reason to lie to her. You know, She works for them. He told her that I understood everything and the matter's closed. So I told her, no, that's not what happened at all. She said, that's really weird. 
So she said that she would talk to them again and have them call me. Traderisky, you think they called me? I, I, it's not sounding like it. No, did not get a call. So I called her back. And every time I felt worse and worse calling her, I know she's at work and this is her job, but like, like this isn't her main job to like trace, chase down things like this. She has kind of a different title there. She, she is the one I was supposed to talk to, but at the same time, like this has got to be a headache for her. And she was very nice. She was the only one who was helpful there at the whole company. So I hated to reward her with this by hassling her constantly. But I, I tried to leave like a few weeks in between my calls to her just to space it out more so I don't become a, a nuisance. Like I, I, I'm I, not the type of person who's an ingrate when people try to help me. If, if people try to help me, I appreciate it so much. And I mean that about everything. I mean that everything in my life, of every type, if someone tries to help me, especially somebody uh, who – goes above and beyond what they'd be expected to do uh, or if they're not expected to do anything and they're helping me, I appreciate that so much. And I know there's people out there who you, you, you give them a finger, they want to take the whole hand. I'm not like, I'm the opposite of that. I, I really, really appreciate anyone who, who offers to help me in any way. So even in business situations like this, uh, I appreciated that she was the only one there who was trying to get this resolved. But I said to her, you know, I, I'm really sorry to keep bothering you, but I still didn't get a call. So at this point, this is the first time I got an indication from her that she was kind of done with this, which I kind of understand because, you know, there's only so long this can go on. Uh, she said, look, uh, I'm sorry, but for whatever reason, they just don't seem to want to deal with it. And I, I've given us all the messages and I've asked them to call you and I've asked, I've given, I've told them everything you've said and. It, for some reason, this still isn't getting resolved. So she gave me one final person, the kind of the person in charge of all of this, and she and he's the one who ultimately made this decision to ban me. She gave me his name and had me write to him. She said, "Why don't you email him? Here's his email address. Write him an email, which I can't read to you guys right now because it reveals too much of the whole situation." I will read you guys. I'll post it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna expose everything once I go to gaming. So you'll see all of this, and you'll hear all this when I give an update on a future show. But I wrote the guy a very nice email, again asking him to reinvestigate and make sure that this really did happen because it didn't. No response. No phone call, no email response. It's just like I never wrote to him. So I have some points with this company. Now, now not a staggering amount. This isn't worth, like, big money. I think I'm probably owed uh, three figures in worth of points is what I have. That's uh, what I believe I, they're worth. And... Uh, the gaming complaint I'm going to make is to recover the points or have them cashed out. The gaming complaint is not going to be about the ban because they have a right to ban me if they want, even if it's over a case of mistaken identity or mistaken accusation. And a lot of people, for whatever reason, don't understand that last part. A lot of people on the Vegas Casino Talk forum 
are telling me to get a lawyer, are telling me that it's it's libel because they're they're accusing me of something I didn't do, or that uh, I, I have a right to be unbanned if it's uh, over a case of mistaken identity. This is all untrue. It's not libel because they haven't said anything publicly about me that's derogatory. They, they they've told me, and they've had the discussions internally, but that's not libel. Nor can I show any damages. They, this hasn't damaged my reputation. Nobody would know about it if I didn't just talk about it on this show and post about it on my forums. So nothing that they have said or written about me, I mean, they haven't said or written anything about me, is the truth, <laughs> this, this, this casino. So uh, there's no way a libel case or a slander case could ever succeed. Nor do I have a right to continue going to the casino if they don't want me there. Nor could a lawyer force them to allow me back in. So I would not be going to gaming about the ban being a bad ban, and that is a mistaken identity ban. I would be going to gaming to recover the points. Now, the only thing I haven't done yet, which I'm going to do prior to going to gaming, is request that they cash out the points. Why haven't I done that? Uh, because I didn't want... When I was trying to get them to listen to me and get them to reinvestigate and to appeal this, um, number one, I didn't want to mention gaming because it, you know, that just put them in a defensive posture. And number two, I, I didn't want to make this seem like uh, this is just about getting my points and, and getting out of there. Like I, I didn't want them to think I want to be unbanned just so I can use the points I've earned and then never come back. I wanted them to just see it that I really just wanted to come back, which I do, by the way. I, 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 if this was to be overturned or rescinded, I would definitely come back to this place. So I, the order of things was, number one, try to find out what happened. Number two, since I found out what happened finally, uh, try to get them to reinvestigate since it's something I didn't do. Uh, number three, if that fails, which it did, then demand that they cash out my points. And number four, if they refuse, which they probably will, then go to gaming. So I'm on step number three. I'm guessing, I, I think I'm going to contact them tomorrow about the points. If they refuse, then I'm going to gaming. And then everything is going to be made public, really public. Really, really pu- as as public as I can make it, because this is wrong. If I get banned for card counting or advantage play, fine, I understand that. You know, that's the, that's the casino's right to do. That's, that's a, a long-time uh, cat-and-mouse game between players and casinos. I, I, that I would never make a big deal about. I wouldn't keep it silent, but I, I wouldn't go make a big deal about it. But this, I was banned for something I absolutely positively did not do, and they are not even giving me the respect of reinvestigating and making sure I really did it. They're not even giving the respect of, of return phone calls or return emails. Nothing. I got that one phone call. I got one form letter email at the beginning. And then one phone call after a lot of pressure on them to call me. I finally got one phone call where the guy revealed the reason, promised to reinvestigate, and, and would not respond to me after that. And then they lied to other employees there who tried to advocate for me. Have you, have you tried a personal connection at all, Jeff? 
Like somebody that might know a senior host there or something? Well, I actually do know somebody who knows a host there, but... Because I would think that's your way. I mean, you're somebody calling on the phone. I mean, if there's a personal connection, I can try. I would try that as the next step. There is one person I know there who knows a host there. Unfortunately, I don't think the host can can access this either because this person... Right, but at least they could say, look, I vouch for the guy. At least tell me when it is because... Over the summer, how much time could you have possibly spent at this casino? I mean, you were in the World Series for a lot of the trip. Well, well right. Here's, I don't think you stayed there because I think you were at Caesar's Properties. I was. But here, here's my guess. You're right. I didn't stay there. Here, here's my guess. I was there, and I believe that something happened while I was there and that they confused – the thing that happened as being done by me. Maybe something happened near a machine I was playing on, and then they thought that it was me. Like they said, well, who? Let's, let's try to figure out who this guy was who was playing on that machine, and they came up with Todd Wittellis. And, and that's who they blamed for what occurred. So I didn't see, by the way, I didn't see anything happen. It's not like I saw something and I didn't know what it is. I, I, I was really floored when they told me what, what, what the accusation was. But I, I think that. Something occurred there, which I know what I know what they claim occurred. But something that occurred, they didn't know who did it, and they tried to figure out who it was. And they probably did so by pulling records of who played on machines around where that occurred. And they got me, and someone didn't look very closely, and I got blamed for it. That's what I think happened. Maybe it was even someone with a similar look. Maybe another guy. Uh, in his 40s with a beard with, with, with dark hair, something like that. You know, it, it, it could have been something like that. But the problem – so you may say, well, why don't they go, go recheck the camera and figure it out? I think that the reason they don't is because if they do and I'm, it turns out I'm right, then whoever got it wrong in the first place looks incompetent. Then they have to unban me. Then they have to explain why they're unbanning me. And then their boss knows – that they got the wrong guy and that they're incompetent. That, that's my guess as to why they do not want to reinvestigate this. Right. So maybe going that route to say, look, you know, I mean, to the person that would be like the head of security, you know, if, there pe- if there's people out there making false accusations against people. Yeah, uh, so, I'd certainly want to know about it. Yeah, and by the way, it wasn't a customer accusation. In case you're wondering, it wasn't like a customer pointed me out. Uh, it, w- it wasn't that either. It was not something where someone claimed I did something to them, and then the casino had to investigate it and blame me. It wasn't even that either, in case anyone's wondering. So you're never going to guess it, by the way. <laughs> I know you probably have some guesses in your head. You're never going to guess it. I could give you a thousand guesses, you won't guess it. That's how, That's how crazy it is. And when, when I reveal this, you'll admit this. You'll admit there was nothing you could have ever guessed. So I'm going to – I think I may try that one other thing before I go to gaming uh, that you suggested and maybe having that friend contact that host and see if they can uh, advocate for me and say, look, the guy was not – he's insisting this wasn't him – can you check the camera? Like, 
uh, if he has enough pull, maybe he can get them to do that. Unfortunately, the person I ultimately wrote to that still didn't respond to me is someone pretty damn high up on the chain, much higher than a host. This was not, this wasn't just some investigator who's now refusing to respond. I I did not get a respond fr- response from a high up person in the casino who is aware of the allegations against me. And he didn't answer me. So that guy would actually have to approve my unbanning and the fact that he didn't respond to me. Uh, yeah, but Trough, he could get a million emails. That, I don't think well, but that, when he wasn't responding to me, my last call, that woman said she's going to talk to him and ask him to respond. And he oh, that guy was Yeah, he, 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 and he's, he's still not responding. So it's, it's definitely intentional that they're not answering me. It's definitely intentional, and I think they just... I, I think they just don't want to look into it. I think they... If yeah, they, but I, I think if you find somebody, because I think, you know, if it's something having to do with, like, your character, like, would somebody do something like this? You know, then maybe that's... They're able to vouch or if they have enough pull. The person that you know that knows the host, who knows. Yeah. Well, I, can, I, can, I, I can try that. I, I don't think it's going to work, but I can try that. I guess it's worth a shot. So this this is so frustrating because it was really something I didn't do, and it's really too bad. It's a property I would like to continue going to, and I can't. It's in Vegas. It's a major casino. It's on the Strip. So uh, it's not a Caesars property. That's all I'll say. Very frustrating. I, I never expected something like that to happen, and it sucks. I'll give you guys more of an update when I can. Sorry for the crypticness of this segment. I had meant to hold back this segment until I could tell you guys everything, but now I guess you'll get it in two parts. And don't worry, I'm not going to tell the whole story next time. I'll, t- I'll refer you guys back to this show, and I'll just fill in the blanks when I can do so, which should be soon. I won't forget, don't worry. This will, As soon as I make the gaming complaint, then I will reveal it. I think the only way I won't reveal everything is if this gets resolved and I'm allowed back there. Then I'll have to think what I'm going to say. But I'm guessing that's probably not going to happen. All right. WSOP.com continues to have problems. It has not been doing nearly as well as expected. They believed at the time that WSOP.com was launched first in Nevada and then in New Jersey. They believed this was going to be a huge cash cow. They looked at sites like Poker Stars and Full Tilt and how successful they were, at least till Full Tilt still all the money, that online poker is just a machine to print money. It doesn't require many employees. The games literally run themselves. The games move much faster because the cards are shuffled and dealt electronically. Online poker rooms also don't take up any space. There's no physical space. So they can make far more money than traditional card rooms. And they couldn't wait to get their piece of the pie. So finally it was legalized. And finally in two states they were able to have online poker well it didn't pan out the site still exists you can still play poker on wsb.com 
But the sites, for the most part, are a ghost town. And at first it was thought, okay, Nevada doesn't have a very big population. So maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's why it's not doing well. Ultimate Poker, which was there in Nevada before WSP.com was, they, they actually failed. That site's gone now. WSOP.com still exists, but uh, it's been losing money. It just doesn't have very much traffic. I just opened it right now, just to take a look. And by the way, uh, a while ago, several months ago, they actually combined the player pools. I think it was in May, where they combined the Nevada and New Jersey pools. So now they're combined into one site. It should be much more active, right? Nope. A little more active, but still pretty dead. So right now, as I look, and this is kind of prime time, it's Friday night, 10.30 Pacific, 1.30 Eastern. There are four people in 10.20 limit, five people in, or four, and also four people in 5.10 limit. Talking about limit hold'em. That's it in, uh, of any games that's uh, above microstakes. Actually, no, any games, period. Are those the same four people in both? That's a good question. Let me take a look. Can you, uh, see, you can see the names, obviously. Yeah, right? yeah they, they, actually, they actually are. It's the same four people in both. Except I think there's one person who's different. So there, there's five players total in two, on two tables, basically. Uh, you know, with th- three of those having two tables open. Uh, then that's it, even including micro limits. That's it. In no limits, doing a little bit better. There's, a, of course, Hold'em I'm talking about. They have four players at 5-10 no limit. Then they have uh, two six max tables filled at 255 no limit. Then two more tables at 255 of five and four players. So they have a total of uh, 21 players at 255. They have about six one two tables running at no limit for a total of what looks about uh, 20, about 30 players. Then at $0.50 cent a dollar, they have about 24 players going. $0.25, 50 $0.50, they have about 27 players. Or no, sorry, they have more than that. They have uh, they have a lot of $0.25, $0.50. Cent. It looks like mm, probably 70 players or so. And then $0.10, cent, $0.20, cent, they have what looks like about 30 players. And then $0.05, cent, $0.10 cent looks like about 70 players. $0.01, cent, $0.02, cent, about 40 players. 45 players. So this may not sound too bad to you, right? But this is the very, very prime time. This is like the most they're going to have. This is the very most they're going to have. We're still only dealing with fewer than 200 players in these Hold'em games. In Omaha, I see about total in uh, in 08, I see of all the limits combined, a total of about 20 players right now. And in uh, PLO, I see about a total of maybe 40 to 50 players at all stakes combined. Tournaments, yeah, there's there's some tournament players. That I, I, those are harder to see how many are there right now. But the bottom line is, cash-wise, they have definitely fewer than 300 players on right now at all stakes, all limits combined. And that's at really what's the prime time and prime day for these games to run. 
And most of it's micro stakes, as you've seen from what I just told you. This is not what they expected. They expected it to be a bustling, active site. They have a lot of expenses that wouldn't be very high if it was an active site, but but one that has you know three hundred players at most in the cash games, and you know maybe some in tournaments, but not nothing that great. Uh, they're losing money. Okay, I I heard they were losing money as of a few years ago, and I doubt it changed because the traffic situation hasn't really changed. Some of this is not their fault. Some of this is that they just overestimated the market and the desire to play legalized online poker. Uh, for example, PokerStars, which is known to be very good at marketing and, of course, was very successful with everything they had done, they can't get an active room either. They have a room in, uh, in, in New Jersey, not in Nevada yet, but they have a room in New Jersey. And that hasn't done particularly well. Taking a look right now, going to list uh, New Jersey. Uh, Poker Stars right now has 95 cash players on, with a peak of 225. 95 is all they have in Poker Stars. WSOP it's claiming right now a 302 players, which it sounds about kind of what I was seeing there. I thought it was less than 300, but kind of close to 300. So okay. But that, that's basically their peak. I even see here their peak was 341. And, and they, they rarely have more than 400. The seven-day average, according to Poker Scout, is 190 on WCP. So yes, a lot of this is just the market isn't what they expected it to be. And there just still are not n- enough people to make up the player pool. They really need some more states joining in and some big states like California joining in. And that hasn't happened yet. So you can't blame the sites for that. But at the same time, as I've said from the beginning, I feel that WSOP.com is mismanaged. I don't feel that the manager, Bill Reaney, is the right man for the job. I feel that this could be managed much better. And it's not just me. Most people that I have talked to feel that way. In order to have a successful online poker room in a limited market, you need to be creative. You need to be very customer service oriented. You need to be responsive. And if you're not, then your room is going to fail. So by creative, I mean you have to find innovative ways to get people to want to play. You have to strategically hire props, strategically reward people for starting games, strategically have promotions that people will actually want to play, not just go with the traditional type promotions like deposit bonuses. But you need to really you, you can't just model your rewards program after poker stars and expect it to work. You have to tailor it to the market and the fact that like with the WSOB.com that's 
some of your players are going to be ones who are not in the state all the time and therefore can only play when they're in the state. You have to have a visible manager who is responsive and who does not get personally offended when people don't like the way the site is running. You have to have someone who leaves his ego at the door and whose only goal is to have the site run well and have the customers be happy. Uh, Bill Brini has been known to block people from Twitter. And I don't mean for harassing him or saying obscene or nasty things. I mean just people who are critical of things on the site. He's been known to block them. He's also been known to ignore people. That happened to me personally when I had a problem with WSOP.com a few years ago. Uh, And so so people feel he's not engaging. And people feel that he is not customer service oriented. And from my own experiences and observations, I feel that to be true. I know these are subjective descriptions, but that's been my experience and my observations of his work with WSB.com. I also don't see anything with WSB.com regarding the promotions or their, their rewards program or anything else regarding attempting to get the games active that's particularly innovative or interesting. In fact, I, all I see are rip-offs of other online poker sites that have existed over the years where those promotions are not going to work in this type of market. So I really think they're blowing it. This WSOP.com has a big advantage in that this is a big brand. This is a brand that everyone loves. The, the main WSOP that goes on every year in the summer in Las Vegas is a huge thing that, that – is beloved everywhere. Even even with some of the operational fail, the World Series is a very beloved brand. Everybody wants a World Series of Poker bracelet. Everyone's very excited when World Series of Poker time comes. Every year it grows, even though poker is slowly dying. Even the circuit events do well. People want to win World Series of Poker rings. This brand is so valuable and has been marketed so well and continues to be marketed well. Obviously, they're doing something right with the World Series of Poker brand. There's no question. Look at their success. Look at how every year it grows, even though the poker market is shrinking. It's very, very impressive. I'm really impressed. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm really impressed. But... WSAP.com is the opposite. It's, it's just an exercise in fail over and over again. And I, I acknowledge that some of that is just the market and there's nothing they can do, but some of it is mismanagement. So here's an example of it. And, and I'll read some of the tweets, which will show you some of the people's frustrations with poker room manager Bill Reaney. And I'll say this, with some of the other employees in management at at, uh, the World Series of Poker, uh, some of them have a problem with being a bit gruff, especially on social media, and they've made some gaffes over the years that people are surprised to see. But at least these same employees tend to be good at the main job that they have. 
they, they tend to at least be good or competent at their main job. They just uh, aren't very good uh, customer service-wise, shall I say. Social media-wise, they're not very good. But at their actual job, aside from that, they, they, they do pretty well from what I've seen. Which, which is why uh, part of the reason why the World Series of Poker is doing as well as it is. But uh, with WSB.com, we, we kind of have both where it's just that there's a poor job being done all around. So on December 23rd, JCHAC on Twitter, that's JCHACNV, like Nevada, J-C-H-A-K-N-V. I don't know who he is. He tweeted this, 7.53 p.m. December 23rd, 2018. It has now been one hour since WSP.com site crashed and players are still sitting by their computers waiting for an update of any kind. Apparently no World Series of Poker employees have a computer, a phone, or a conscience. <laughs> so picture this, okay? And he posted a screenshot of it. Picture this. You're playing a tournament on the World Series of Poker uh, WSP.com site. And then it just crashes. You can't connect. It says reconnecting, reconnecting, and you notice it's not your internet. You just can't connect. You call up your buddy. Hey, are you connected? No, no, I'm out too. Nobody can connect. It just The site is crashed, and you can't connect to it. But what do you do? You're in a tournament. It's not like a cash game. You go, okay, the game's over because the site's down. With a tournament, at any point, it can come back online, and you, so you can't just go out and leave. You've got, you have to stay by your, your computer because at any point, it can come back on, and your, your chips will blind off if you're not there. So this guy is claiming that an hour had passed and nothing was emailed to anybody about it, nor was anything put up on their Twitter about it. And they have a Twitter at WSOP.com, at WSOP.com is their Twitter. So he's saying that even there, nothing was put up. And he's saying, that's crazy. How, how could they not know after an hour? And sure enough, I'm looking at the WSOP.com Twitter, and there's nothing up there about that crash. I see nothing. If I were the manager, and I got informed, hey, a tournament was going and the site crashed, I would immediately get on the WSOP.com Twitter and tweet to everybody, our site crashed and we're going to be canceling the tournaments, or... Our site crashed, and we're, we're working hard to get it back. Uh, please check this for updates. Uh, something like that. I wouldn't just say nothing. So here are the responses people gave to this tweet. Bobby Dylick, D-Y-L-I-C, that's at Bobby Dylick. He wrote, I love how they don't even pretend to care. I politely asked Bill Reaney why they don't offer PLOA tournaments, and he simply deleted me from Twitter. I think he means blocked him. They are a monopoly until Stars gets to come to Nevada. Well, I think they may still be in a monopoly because Stars is in New Jersey and they're lagging behind WSOP. So Stars may not be the solution. William Beaverson, that's underscore that's Beaver underscore Willie. He wrote, Bill Reaney is a living joke who is stealing a wage while running WSOP.com into the ground, shitting on their regular players, even taking away perks for seven Stars members. Absolute absurd joke of a business. The seven stars thing he's talking about is that seven stars on the site no longer get the status match and the automatic 35% rake back that they did for years. They took that away. Kind of pissed me off, too. 
Then he also wrote, Beaver Willie wrote, Bill Rini needs to be chased down Las Vegas Boulevard by an angry mob of poker players brandishing their pitchforks. He is running the site into the ground and making it worse for players month after month. Complete joker. (laughs) (laughs) Zach Frazier at Bogey Donor, that's B-O-G-E-Y-D-O-N-O-R. Zach Frazier wrote, If you've ever called WSOP support, you would know it's outsourced to the Bahamas, and the folks I have spoken to there are reading scripts and can't help with anything more than providing the time and temperature. Hashtag shaking my head, hashtag WSOP. It's, that's true, by the way. I don't know if it's in the Bahamas, but when I've called WSOP.com support, it's totally useless. They, basically, the support is a foreigner telling me to email support at WSOP.com. So I don't know when this came back up. I know it eventually came back up, but it was quite some time and players were left twisting in the wind not knowing what was going on. I don't even know if the tournament restarted or if it just uh, was canceled. But players need to be contacted and told what's happening so they don't just sit there in front of their computer twisting in the wind afraid to leave or do anything else because the tournament could come back online at any time and they'd blind out. I would really recommend a change in management at WSOP.com. I, I just haven't seen anything from the current management there that is either competent or uh, customer service oriented. And it's not just me. In fact, I don't play on there much because I'm not in Nevada most of the time. So I don't play on there much. And I haven't had a customer service incident recently. So it's not even me like personally being angry. But I've observed other people's problems and I'm just seeing one mistake after another. I'm not even blaming them for the crash. Crashes happen on all sites. That's, that's a fact of online poker. But how you handle the crash and also how you handle customer service, it's, it's very important that you don't block your customers on Twitter, that you don't get angry at people for offering constructive criticism. You, you have to be an accessible, polite, and gracious manager. Otherwise, you should not hold a management position that's customer-facing. If you are not good at dealing with customers, then you should not have a job that deals with customers. You should give it to somebody else who can. I thought the WSOP made a very good hire. This is unrelated to the .com site, but when they hired KevMath for the World Series during the summer, and, and they, they keep rehiring him, which which is a good, good decision, but he operates the WSOP Twitter account during the summer, and he does a very good job with it because Kev Math is someone without a temper, without an ego, and he just always wants to be helpful. That's who you want running the brand site. He's someone who represents the brand well, gives useful information, and, and he doesn't get rattled easily. Now, yeah, if someone hassled him on that account constantly, he'd probably block them. If they really, really, really were just trying to be assholes and troll him, but but people who offer constructive criticism or anything like that, 
you know, you never see him attacking them. You never see him blocking people. He just tries to be helpful and represents the brand well. So I just don't understand. And the funny thing, I've mentioned this before. Before Bill Reaney got this job with WSB.com, if you read his blog, he seems like an intelligent, reasonable guy. So when they hired him, I said, okay, it seems like a good hire. But it, it just... There's a lot of things that happen there that just leave me scratching my head. That's the truth. And if anybody at Caesars is listening to this and would like me to go into more detail, I can. I I would really like to see WSP.com succeed as a member of the poker community, as someone who enjoys playing online poker. As someone who would love to see legalized online poker succeed and overtake the unregulated sites which have their own issues. I would love to play on regulated online poker sites where I know there's some protection, where I know I'll always get the money that I win, where I know there won't just be the constant danger that the site could either steal all the money or just ban me and take my money where I have no recourse. These, these are real problems with current unregulated online poker. And I think black Friday exposed a lot of that. So believe me, I want to see a site like WSP.com succeed. I'm not someone who's rooting for their failure. It's the opposite. I want to see it work. I want to see it succeed. I want to see legalized online poker thrive regardless of who's operating it. Unless it was UB operating it, but they they won't be. But I, I don't care if it's WSOP or Poker Stars. I don't care who the hell is running a legalized site. I just want to see it succeed, and I want to see poker online become popular again and viable in the United States. So believe me, I'm not trying to tear this down for the sake of tearing it down. I'm not a Caesars hater. I just don't think it's being managed well, and I think there's a lot they could do to improve. And if anybody's listening from Caesars, get a hold of me, and and I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I, I think is being done wrong. This tournament situation is just one of many things I've witnessed, most of which didn't directly involve me or involve me at all. But a few things did involve me. By the way, I I think I've told this before, but earlier this year, I was trying to get my deposits limits raised, and I had to go through a third-party company to do it. So I don't blame WSOP directly for this one. But they put me through all these security questions to make sure that I was... Ovation. Uh, maybe Iovation could have even done a better job than this company. The, this company that was doing the security checks to make sure I was who I said I was. Th- one of the questions they asked me was, we're going to give you a multiple choice. Uh, which of these four places did you live in 1971? What's the problem? I wasn't alive in 1971. <laughs> <laughs> So I said, uh, I was not born yet in 1971. 
It's, well, okay, you need to answer the question. I said, how can I answer the question? I didn't exist. <laughs> Where could I have lived? Well, again, in 1971, which of these four places did you live? So I figured out where the question came from, and that's because my social security number is a 1971 social security number due to a stupid reuse of the numbers by the Social Security Administration in the following year. So I just kind of changed that from 71 to 72 and answered that question, and then I got it right. But they, they really wanted me to answer the question, the multiple-choice question where I was living in 1971 in a year that I had not been born yet. At first I told them the place I was living in 1971 was in, inside of my mom's uterus. That, that's the truth. At least for part of 71. The other part of 71, I wasn't even in there. For the first half of 71, half of me was in my mom's uh, fallopian tubes and the, the other half of me was in my dad's testicles. Second half of 71, I was in my mom's uterus. But I, I like how they didn't even say, oh, well, you know, like, sorry, there must be something wrong with this question. And they had my birth date. It's not like they had to take my word for it. They had my birth date and they could see I was not born in 71. But they still wanted me to answer the damn question. But again, this doesn't, this wasn't WSOP.com. This was the third-party company that processes their payments. But yeah, it just kind of all goes together. All the, all the fail kind of goes together. It, it was just fitting that the company they contract with to do these verifications for the raising your deposit limits is asking me a question of where I lived before I was born. And I, I, they were treating me like I was the crazy one. Like, I'm being uncooperative with not answering that question. I'm like, look, you have my birth date. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on here. A wife bought her husband a Christmas gift. And that has caused a video to go viral. Now... We have a pretty big cross-section of listeners to this show. Some people who listen to the show don't play poker at all and never have and just, for whatever reason, enjoy listening to the show and the stories that I tell. Some people who listen are recreational poker players who just enjoy keeping up with events in poker and gambling. Some people who listen are kind of semi-pro players, ones who may also have a job but also supplement their income by playing poker and they're winning players and they play a whole lot. You see, regular poker players who aren't necessarily pros. Then we actually have some pro players who listen. In fact, some people who listen are ones who use this show as something to listen to in the background when they grind poker, whether it's live or online. So what's often difficult for a regular poker player to picture is how much of a treat it can be and how much of a big deal it is for a recreational player to go to the World Series of Poker, especially one that doesn't live all that close to Las Vegas. For some people, that's really a dream. For some people, they 
fantasize about one day sitting in a seat at a World Series of Poker event and playing. That's part of the reason that the World Series of Poker events, at least in the earlier stages before uh, all the fish bust, uh, tend to be pretty good value-wise for the good player because you have a lot of people there who aren't nearly as good as the average player in the field and are just there because it's something they always dream to do. The main event, you even have this, even though it's $10,000. Every year I've been at the main event, with only a few exceptions, on day one, there's people at the table who really have no clue. Or not, not always no clue, but people who really are, are noticeably not good and are just there because they've just always wanted to try it. Just usually like middle-aged businessmen who have the money to do it, just want to take a shot, and uh, really, barring amazingly good luck, don't have a chance to even cash. These are guys you know are going to be out day one unless they uh, run pretty well. That's why that's a good tournament to enter, if you have the money to do so. So it's easy to forget that even playing a single World Series of Poker event can be very special to some people, whereas to others who are used to doing it, who've played many, many events each year, it's something they may look forward to, but it's not something super exciting. Like, I look forward to World Series of Poker time. I do get kind of an excited feeling when the whole thing's starting and I'm playing my first event of the year. But do I sit there thinking, wow, I can't believe I'm here. Wow, I've been dreaming of this for so long. No. I think, okay, here goes another World Series. I hope I do well. It would be really cool if I won a bracelet again. That, that That's what I think when I sit down. But I know there's people there who this is really what they've dreamed of doing at some point. So I can understand that especially people who don't have a lot of disposable income and may live across the country. And for them to just fly to Vegas and play an event like the Colossus and, you know, take one shot with one bullet and go back home, that's still a big thrill to them. So I can understand that, and I don't want to act jaded or act like uh, that isn't the case. For a lot of players In fact I even see ads When I play Games on my phone I'll see ads pop up For The World Series of Poker Play Money app Where you can win A fake bracelet And I always think It's funny That they're advertising To me You know Play and win your bracelet now And they mean your fake Bracelet on the app They don't mean Win a real bracelet And I'm thinking That's funny being Aimed at me I have a real bracelet And I'm supposed to Download this app And win a fake bracelet but there's a lot of people that really that really is their dream. Even not just to win a bracelet, to, to, just to even play. So a video has gone viral recently of an emotional opening of a gift where a wife buys her husband a World Series of Poker trip. Trade Ruski, have you seen this video? 
I have not. You haven't. I read the article and I was going to pull it up, but I get distracted. Okay. Well, uh, you can watch it in the background or something if you want to mute it. But my, my dad even saw it. My dad uh, emailed me this video. And I've had other people who are not like we're, poker we're, players who, who've actually shit. emailed this. Huh? Uh oh, someone in the background there, Trader Risky. Who, who's that? Uh, sorry, that was my friend who's over. Uh, we watched okay. the Laker game. He's listening to the show on his headphones. Okay. So, the there's a there's a one minute forty second video that was put out that has since gone viral, and this video involves Jeremy and Randy. That's Randy with an I. It's a, a woman, uh, Hilser Cop in Tennessee. Jeremy has a regular job. He's not a pro poker player by any means. He's a fan of poker. He's always wanted to play the World Series of Poker, but the expense in doing so just kind of seemed out of reach to him. And uh, his wife decided to do something nice. So on Christmas morning, he opened up a gift. And this is what happened. This is him opening the gift. You obviously can't see on the radio, but there's the sound of him opening the gift. And the gift, it's a, it has like red tissue type paper that's wrapping up some kind of paper that's probably some certificate he typed up of what he's getting. And he's reading it now. The background, I think it's Christmas music, the background. So then he, he bends his head down. We're going to the WSOP! He, and the awes that there's other people in the background, I think, you know, maybe his mother or her mother. And he's just kind of bending down like he's shocked. Where did it go? He's still bending down. Still just. Are you excited? He's not reacting yet. <laughs> she can't tell if he likes it or doesn't like it. He's just, he, he's bent down, hardly reacting. His head is so far down, you can't see his face. And she, when she said, do you like it? He kind of barely nodded his head yes. Oh, Jeremy. You're making me cry. Me too. And now he lifts his head, you can see he's crying. So he's actually so happy, he had tears of joy that his wife gave him this. Now, since this came from his wife, what I'm not understanding is this was family money. Like, why couldn't he have done this himself? <laughs> it's not like this came from a girlfriend who paid for her own money. Like, this is still the family money. I, I'm, that's what I don't quite get here. But he, he's crying tears of joy. I got us the hotel at the Rio, and we're there for Wednesday until Sunday, May, and... I got, it's, I got your dad's coming, and I already bought the plane tickets, and I already bought the rooms. It's all paid for. It's all done. We get to go to WSOP and compete. Oh, Jeremy! Now he's crying with his. Uh, he actually has his fingers in his eyes to kind of stop the tears. Now the kid says in the back, I've never seen Daddy cry that way. 
So that's that's the end of the video. One minute forty. So this video really moved people, and it caused the video to go viral. And then in turn, that caused even more blessings to rain down upon Jeremy Hilserkop. The WSOP wrote to him, I don't know which person operating the account did it, but uh, they wrote, uh, we are very excited Jeremy will be joining us this summer for the 50th annual World Series of Poker, wishing him and his family a Merry Christmas, best of luck this summer, and then they linked to this video posted on Reddit. Daniel Negranu posted about two hours later, wow, poker dreams coming true on Christmas, I hope to meet him this summer, great job of picking the right gift, the next time you find yourself complaining about a bad beat, waiting in a line, or a dealer mistake, watch this video and try to appreciate how lucky you are to take part in something so many can only dream of. That's what Daniel Negreanu wrote. Then, other companies started to offer things to him. He was offered free poker coaching, free poker training products. Some players... Asked to buy part of his action I'm not sure which event it is It kind of sounds like it might be The uh, That uh, WSOP 50th anniversary Was it the big 50 event It kind of sounds like that They said we're going to go in May That's the only one starting in May Unless unless when she said May that was She misspoke I was picturing something like that But people were offering to buy pieces of his action and the reason they were offering that is this way he could buy into more than one event. So if he had, say, $560 to invest in an event, uh, if, if people buy half of his action, then he could enter two events like that. I don't know if he took them up on it. But then the big one, the big one came to them. Joey Ingram, Chicago Joey, was promoting this video on his well-read Twitter account, well-followed Twitter account, and Joey started asking poker stars if maybe they could give him what's known as the Platinum Pass. Now, we're going to talk about the Platinum Pass next because they had already given it out to two other people. But Joey was saying that maybe you guys should also give a Platinum Pass to this guy, Jeremy. What is a Platinum Pass? The Platinum Pass is a $30,000 package where you get a buy-in to the $25,000 tournament at the PokerStars Caribbean Adventure in the Bahamas and $5,000 worth of spending money, airfare, hotel, etc. So Joey Ingram tried to get PokerStars to give him a free platinum pass, which is again worth thirty thousand dollars and twenty five of which is a big tournament there, and amazingly they said yes. So in addition to going to the World Series this summer, before that he's going to the Bahamas, all expenses paid, and is going to play a twenty five thousand dollar buy in tournament 
on PokerStars Dime. That's the most valuable thing he got here. <laughs> wow. So, this, a lot has rained down upon Jeremy Hilserkop because of his emotion that he showed when his wife gave him this gift. Now, the more skeptical among us have brought up a few points of criticism here. Some have felt that perhaps this was staged. That perhaps this was intended to go viral. Now, they they could not have foreseen the free stuff they were going to get. But that maybe this was their attempt to make a viral video. Maybe that's why the crying was so over the top. Maybe that's why the kid even said in the background, I've never seen daddy cry like this before. Some felt that this seemed like it was staged. Now watching it, it it seems mostly genuine to me. You can watch for yourself. But would I be shocked if it were staged? No. Most videos that you see on YouTube or elsewhere on the internet where something interesting, amazing, or unusual happens are staged. Most viral videos like this are staged. Why? Because if you think about your own life, how often are you happening to be recording something on video when something amazing or unusual happens to you? Now, it could be said, look, here, this was something that uh, she knew he was going to react to being able to go to the WSOP for the first time. So when she gave him the gift, she, she videoed it for the first time. That's not hard to believe. But I'm talking about in general that a lot of these crazy videos that are so funny or so unusual or so amazing, they're, they're staged. The whole thing is put together specifically to go viral and appeal, appear that it's real when it's fake. And I see so many times people share videos on Twitter and Facebook and say, oh, my God, this is so amazing. This is so heartwarming. This is so blah, blah, blah. And I watch it, and it is so fake. It is so obviously staged. You know those prank videos where someone's out in public and they prank someone? Those are just about always fake. Just about every single time all the people in the video were were, uh, in on it. The strangers they approach are not really strangers. This one, I'm not sure. This one, I could go either way. I'm leaning more towards real, but could it be fake? Yes. Then there were some who asked, why why is Jeremy Hilserkop getting all this extra stuff? That there are poker players who are at the World Series that are currently suffering from some kind of tragedy that are there to get their minds off of it. Some of them are sick. Some of them have family members who are sick or dying. Some of them suffered some other kind of misfortune. And some of these people there at the World Series could use this free stuff much more than a guy who just happens to be emotional because his wife bought him a World Series of Poker trip. 
Now, the justification, by the way, for giving this stuff is not just that he cried on camera. It's that he's supposedly a hardworking family man who just doesn't make much money and always had a dream to go and was just so emotional to see that he's finally going to get to that it, it, it touched people. So they're like, okay, this is a guy who really, really, really appreciates being there and really, really wants to be there more than anyone and who works very hard and just can't afford to go normally. So we want to give him free things. And I can understand that. But what also tends to happen is that anybody whose story is heartwarming and goes viral, people's tendency is to want to help those in the video in some way, usually financially. They want to help those who have the high-profile heartwarming story rather than someone who's an unknown that actually needs it more. Look at that story that happened in New Jersey where those people had the, ho- the, the homeless man who supposedly gave his last $20 because uh, a couple was out of gas and he gave his last $20 to fill up their gas tank part of the way so they could continue driving. And then she, you know, the, the wife then took a picture with a homeless guy and she made a GoFundMe for him and $400,000 was raised for him. Turned out the whole thing was a scam. Turned out that the whole thing was set up. There was no $20 that was given or anyone running out of gas, that they all got together and invented this story to try to get people on the internet to donate money to them. And then they were supposed to split the proceeds. The only reason this all came out was because the husband and wife stole most of the money and didn't split it 50-50 with a guy like uh, they had promised. So eventually the whole story came out. So that whole thing was fake. But I, I, I would think if you're if there's a homeless guy, even if you think it's a homeless guy with a heart of gold, you would think once you see that a lot of money has been given to him already, that you don't need to continue to contribute. If he's already been donated two hundred fifty thousand dollars, do you really need to give him more? Don't you think that should be enough to get his life on track? Shouldn't you save that money for somebody else? Maybe another homeless person who's more in need. Maybe a charity that helps the homeless that's more in need, rather than giving to a guy who's collected six figures just for being homeless and giving someone $20, which turned out to be a scam anyway. But people tend to like to donate to whatever's high profile. So, I mean, I guess congratulations to him, provided this wasn't staged. If this was staged, it kind of pisses me off. If this was staged, then he deserves nothing. If this was genuine, and there's no way we'll know if it was staged or genuine, I doubt his family would rat him out. But if this is genuine, fine. But I do understand the people who are either skeptical or saying, look, why him? Why why, why should he get so much free stuff just for being a guy who can't really afford to go to the World Series that was emotional when he finally can? I mean, that describes a lot of people out there. There's people who listen to this show who wish they could go play a World Series event but can't afford it. As much criticism as C-Money has received in recent months for that whole fake cancer thing, I do have to give him credit that he made dreams come true on Poker Fraud Alert. C-Money bought people in to... $1,500 events at the World Series, ones who had never played World Series events before and were only able to because he bought them in. He was very generous to do that. 
And people need to remember that. Even when they're angry at him over what happened. Yes, he made a mistake, but he did a lot of good and generous things over the years. And that's that's the way I like to remember him. Not uh, not over that final thing that was not a good decision. So I, I wonder if he's going to get any more of this uh, Jeremy Hilser cop, or if that's going to be it. I have to look for him around the World Series. I wonder if he's going to cry if he takes bad beats. There is, is the crying just limited to tears of joy, or will he also cry tears of pain? That's the question. But hey, look, we're in. Uh, yeah, there, there was once a time when, when men were not supposed to be seen crying, but now crying on camera gets you a thirty thousand dollar package to the PCA and free poker coaching. I think I've got to start crying on camera. Seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five is the phone number if you'd like to call in and if you have anything to say, then I will take your call. It's harder to see calls coming in now because of the Skype issues, but you you can call. It'll work. It will work. Let's see. Traders, are the Lakers over? Oh, they are over. I see the Clippers won. Lakers are done. Yeah. They, they were looking good for a minute, but uh, lost to the, the nasty Clippers again. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you what uh, I'm happy about. I just looked at the score. I had an under 229 bet, which won, but was a lot closer than I expected. Because the beginning of the game, it was so slow. There's hardly any scoring. There's like 14 points in the first... Uh, uh, seven minutes or so. It was like really, really slow start. And I said, okay, I've got this in the bag. If, you, if a game got to, gets off to a slow start and the, the line is 229 total, then you're, you're pretty much gold as far as winning. But then the scoring ramped up and there ended up being uh, 40, uh, 51 points in the first quarter, which seemed very unlikely from the way it started or from what way the like first seven out of the 12 minutes went. And then a 54-point second quarter. But I said, okay, still, it's, it's way on pace to win. But the, the final quarter, I see there were 63 points scored. So I, I came close to losing this one. Thank goodness it didn't. That would have been a bad beat. But I won. That's all that matters. All, all I had to do was win by half a point, and it's the same as if I win by 30 points. I was almost afraid to look. Yep, I was four for four with my gambling today. So yeah, I was almost, almost afraid to look. You, you know what's weird is earlier this week, I made a bet on an under. And the game ended up having the highest score an NBA ever had in the last 10 years. But it was still a good pick. How is that possible? How is it possible that my under was good if the score was the highest it's ever been? It was 295 points Scott scored in that game. Because it was triple overtime. The damn thing went into triple overtime. When regulation was finished, it actually was well under. So had it not gone to OT, I would have won. But it not only went to OT, it went to triple OT. So I actually had uh, 
the last three games prior to this one that I bet unders this week, three in a row went to overtime, which you never want to see when you're betting under. The last of which, the Warriors versus Port- Portland game, I actually won despite it going to overtime. I actually won the under still. Though this one with the Clippers and Lakers had it gone to overtime, I would have lost. So that's good to see. All right, so speaking of the Platinum Pass, as I mentioned, that 30K Platinum Pass went to this guy crying on camera receiving the World Series package from his uh, wife. Where were all the criers for C-Money when he put them in the tournaments? Yeah, that we we need you know, that's, I mean, one step really blew it. One step was one of the people who got put in, and he he would do anything for more money. I mean, he he constantly begs people to pay for his trips wherever wherever they are. So, if only one step knew that all he had to do was cry, and let's see money awarding this to him, he would have gotten a lot more. Then he would have gotten a lot of people paying for his trip. Not not on this site, but uh, it could have gone viral. And in fact, especially if one step also made it public while he was crying that he was gay. Then he really would have gotten more, I think, because then then uh, he could have had two things going for him: uh, a man crying on camera, who's also gay, and I think uh, I think the money would roll in. I think the, the social justice warriors on the internet would just uh, open up their pocketbooks. I think I think Silicon Valley alone would probably have given him like millions of dollars. So he blew it. So anyway, about this platinum pass. I was surprised to see that Poker Stars gave a Christmas gift to two members of the poker community who had nothing to do with them. And I'm not talking about this one they eventually gave to this guy, Jeremy. They gave a platinum pass to two people who are pretty well known in the poker community. One to Linda Johnson who has been around poker for decades and has more for the last, I say 15 years or more been organizing those cruises, those poker cruises. So Linda Johnson was given a platinum pass, which is interesting. I don't even think she plays too much anymore, but she'll definitely be playing this. She's known by some as the first lady of poker. She is 65 years old. She's a member of the Poker Hall of Fame for what she's done for the poker community. And uh, she was given a platinum pass. She also has gotten other awards in the past. She got a WPT Honors Award in 2017 representing outstanding contributions to the World Poker Tour and the greater poker community. She was also the original publisher of Card Player Magazine before selling it to the Shulmans. She still writes articles for Card Player. She also set up the TDA, the Tournament Directors Association, setting up uh, common rules for tournaments. And she's still in the board of directors there. So a lot of people appreciate those contributions that she's made to poker. And of course she was 
very involved in poker long, long, long before the poker boom. She has one bracelet. She won the 1500 seven-card Raz event in 97. Of course, the fields were pretty small back then, but nevertheless, she won. And she's been playing poker since 1974. Pretty much right since she turned 21. She turned 21 in October 74, and she immediately went to go play poker. So she got a free platinum pass from Poker Stars. So she will be there in the Bahamas playing. The other one, Kev Math. Kevin Mathers. Congratulations, Kev Math. He was the other person awarded the free platinum pass just for basically being Kev Math. Before Kev Math was hired by Bluff and then by the World Series, he spent a lot of time every day tweeting out useful information to poker players, especially about tournaments, but also about other stuff. And if you had a question for him, he would try to find the answer for you and then reply to you. He did this just to be a nice guy, just because he was a fan of poker. Uh, As far as I know, he was never a professional poker player. He can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't think he was a poker pro. But he he was just always a very big fan of poker and enjoyed the poker community and, and was very, very helpful. And this is a guy who doesn't have an ego, who doesn't involve himself in controversy, who doesn't do any of this for glory or attention. He's like the opposite of, a, of an attention whore. This, this is someone who's not doing it for any kind of personal gain. He just really wants to be helpful and be nice. And finally, this translated into very deserved employment with First Bluff and and now the World Series of Poker. And he's the one operating the WSOP account on Twitter during the summer. He spends a lot of time in the WSOP media room. And I see him there every summer and talk to him. So everybody likes him. He, he's a very, very well-liked person in poker. He's one of the few in poker who doesn't seem to have any detractors. Because just about everybody in poker that gets to be well-known has some detractors. Just about everybody. You're going to find very few people in poker that are known that you can't find some people who dislike them and bash them. That's just the way poker is. I have plenty of detractors. But KevMath is not. I've never seen one KevMath detractor. I've never seen one person bashing KevMath. Because there's nothing to bash. He's just always very helpful, very nice. Uh, All the information he provides is useful and accurate. He posts occasionally on Poker Fraud Alert to let us know about things that uh, he thinks the forum would want to know. He listens to every show here. So this is very deserved, and and Kev Math, I I hope you enjoy your time in the Bahamas, and I hope especially that you can cash in this event. Even a min-cash would be very nice in a 25K event. So I hope hope you'll run really, really well. I'm rooting for you here. If somebody asks me, who do you hope wins that event, my answer, no question about it, is Kev Math. 
But even if he doesn't cash, he gets a free trip there, and that by itself is nice. As soon as I saw that, though, I wondered why is PokerStars doing this? You know, Kev Math is not one of their sponsored pros, neither is Linda Johnson. Why are they doing this? Obviously for PR. It does cost them a good deal of real money because this 25K, most of it goes into the prize pool. Of course, the rake they keep and some of the remaining 5,000 in the package, they are probably getting a deal like with a hotel. So it's not quite costing them 30K, but it's costing them well over 25 in real cash. So they, they to those two, they gave away over 50K worth of real cash out of their pocket. And, and then this third guy, this Jeremy guy, that's, that's another one. But I think they did it for PR. I think that it makes them look good, gets people talking about it, makes the company look good, and it's it's a little PR win for them after they've had some criticism over the years and valid criticism. So rather than spending this money on ads, they're uh, I mean they're they're advertising too, but maybe they they're taking this out of their marketing budget and doing something they think will make the poker community think better of them. So it was probably a good use of the money. So I I was surprised though to see Kev Math received it because he has nothing to do with poker stars. Good for him. I had to look up what that was, so I didn't even know what a platinum pass was until I saw they gave it to Kev Math. I'm like, what is this? I go, like, whoa, twenty five thousand. Whoa, <laughs> a trip to the Bahamas. I didn't know that. Like, I, I just thought it was. Uh, I, I didn't know what it was. I, I didn't think it was anything like that. So, once in a while, being a nice guy pays off. They say nice guys finish last, but occasionally, it pays off. And maybe in this case, a nice guy will finish first in the tournament. Let's move on to the next topic. I want to talk about the strange promotion at Harris Akchin, which is now over. It was a one-day promotion. It went on yesterday, and half of me regrets not doing it. Half of me thinks I made the right decision. Half of me thinks I made a big mistake by not doing it. So this is what occurred. Harris Akchin, that is ak dash. Chin, C-H-I-N, is an Indian casino in the Phoenix area. It's in a town called Maricopa, which isn't very big. It's south of Phoenix, Maricopa, Arizona. It's the only Caesars property in the state of Arizona. And it's an Indian casino, much like Harris Resort, Southern California, a.k.a. Harris Rincon, is the only Caesars property in California. Also Indian. So yeah, Maricopa is like directly south of Phoenix. And most people don't talk much about Harris Akchin, and that's because there's not really that much of a reason to go there. There's nothing really that interesting to see around there, unless you just want to see Phoenix, which is still a little bit away. The casino isn't all that large, especially by Harris and Caesar standards. It isn't that nice of a property. So there, there really just isn't that much of interest in Maricopa where you wouldn't want it to be a destination of yours. It's not like going to Vegas or to Tahoe or to New Orleans or uh, even to that 
to Cherokee, North Carolina, where you're right by the Great Smoky Mountains. Here you're just in a small town that's south of Phoenix. So it's mostly locals there. I've never been there. The pay tables on the video poker are not even particularly good. There isn't much of a live poker scene. So you really don't have a reason to go there unless you're in the area. But all of a sudden, there was a reason to go there. They announced that on December 27th, there would be a 25 times tier credit multiplier for any game played in the casino. Now, at first it said in the small, in the small print, by invitation only, but apparently that wasn't true. They were claiming that uh, it's not by invitation only, that anybody who's there and can swipe their total rewards card can get it. But the, the swiping period it was only between 8 a.m. and 11.59 p.m. on December 27th. And this applied to tier credits earned from 6 a.m. to 5.59 a.m., basically a 24-hour period, of starting the morning of the 27th, Till the uh, morning of the 28th. So it's pretty much 6 a.m. to 6 a.m. But you can only swipe in the middle of that from 8 a.m. to midnight. But once you do that, apparently you will earn 25 times the tier credits that you would normally have earned. Well, that's a pretty big deal. Now, what are tier credits? Do you, do you guys know what tier credits are? Some of you do, some of you don't. It, you cannot buy anything with a tier credit. Reward credits, also known as RCs, those are the points I was talking about that you would have a right to if you got banned. Those are accumulated points that you can spend on property. Tier credits, you also earn from playing, just like reward credits. In fact, usually you earn uh, tier credits and reward credits at the same rate. Tier credits and reward credits may be earned at the same time, but they're very different. Reward credits are used to buy things. Tier credits are earned to accumulate status there, where you uh, move up in the levels of, of the total rewards program based on how many tier credits you have. So most notably, at 15,000 tier credits, you become diamond, which is the second highest level. At 150,000 tier credits, you become seven stars, which is their highest level. Now, there are bonuses to the tier credits if you earn a lot in one day. So if you earn 2,500 tier credits in one gaming day, a gaming day is defined by the property. Usually it's like 6 to 6 or 4 to 4. I mean, like a 24-hour period. You know, 4 a.m. to 3.59 a.m. You have 6 a.m. to 5.59 a.m. So you earn 2,500 tier credits in that period. They'll give you 5,000 bonus tier credits. If you earn 5,000 tier credits in that period, you'll get 10,000 bonus tier credits. So that's one way to make your tier credits go up. Uh, it's basically like a 3 times multiplier, except... It only goes up all at once. So if you played forty nine ninety nine tier credits, you still only get five thousand bonus. But if you did five thousand tier credits, then you get ten thousand bonus. So it, it immediately happens. It's not a three times multiplier. It's only a multiplier once you get to those exact levels. And once you get past five thousand tier credits for the day, the remaining tier credits you earn get you no bonus. So. That was really the optimal way to earn tier credits was to either play 2,500 or 5,000 exactly in one day. And that's the way I would do it. 
I would never play more than 2500 or 5000 exactly because beyond there you don't get any bonus. But here you'd get 25 times plus you'd get the normal tier bonus. Well that's pretty strong. 25 times that adds pretty fast. Now you don't get additional reward credits, so you don't get buying power there. You don't get uh to earn these points you can spend on food and hotels and and or even exchange for free play. But you do earn tier status very fast. So how many tier credits would you have needed on this promotion to get to Diamond or 7-star? Well, let, let's let's think about it. Uh, to get to Diamond, you need 15,000. So all you have to earn is uh, 600 tier credits. And I think it's actually a little bit less than that. Because I think if you earn like uh, like a thousand or, or five hundred tier credits, you get a bonus of uh, fifty. I, I forgot what it is, but to be safe, you know, earn six hundred tier credits. Well, that's not very much. That's that's wagering six thousand dollars total. And you may say six six thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. No, that's wagering six thousand dollars. That's just that's running six thousand dollars through a machine, which is very fast. Uh, for example, running it through video poker. If it's a $1 machine, you'd be running five credits per hand, which is $5 per hand. So it's, it's, uh, to run, uh, 600 tier credits at $5 per hand, you'd only have to play 1200 hands. That's it. If you played a $5 machine, then you have to run only 240 hands. And then you're diamond. That's it. To, se- to get to seven stars, I calculated that you would only have to run $56,000 of coin in through. Because you also get the 10,000 tier credit bonus. Once you do 5,000. So since you're doing 5,600... You get the 10,000 bonus there, plus you get 24 times more for those 5,600 you ran. So it's $56,000 run through. And again, that's not very much. Normally, to get 7-star, the very minimum you're going to run is 500,000. When I earned my 7-star in 2017, I ran $500,000 worth of video poker at Lake Tahoe. Here, you can earn 7-star by $56,000 worth. Now, the games aren't as good, but still $56,000 worth you've earned 7-star. So why wasn't I there? Why wasn't I all over that? Well, first of all, Seven Star has been degraded. You don't get the guaranteed free rooms anymore for four nights, which you could do over and over and over again. That was done away with in 2018, and will presumably stay that way in 2019. That's problem number one. Seven Star itself is not worth as much. Problem number two. Since it's on December 27th, you only get one year of Seven Stars instead of two. Because if you earn it earlier in the year, you get that entire year in the next year. Here, we're almost at the next year. So you'll get a few days of this year, and then all of 2019. But you're only really getting one year instead of two. For example, I earned my seven stars in January 2017, and I still have it, almost two years later. These people will only have it, who earn it this way, only have it for one year. 
Third, I am skeptical as to whether or not people will be granted seven stars. Now, Diamond is automatic. If you are in Diamond this way, then for sure you're getting Diamond. Diamond does not have any kind of review process. Once you earn 15,000 tiers in any way, you've got Diamond guaranteed. Seven stars is not guaranteed. Seven stars, when you get to 150,000, a supervisor of the hosts at whatever is considered your dominant property, and you can't pick that for yourself, they pick for you what they feel is your dominant property, and that can change. The One of the total reward supervisors there, or not total reward, the, the, the host supervisors, one of the supervisors of the hosts will examine your account and decide whether or not you are to be given seven stars. Now, for many years, all they would look at was that you earned enough tears, that you don't owe them money, and that there aren't any kind of uh, black marks against your account for your behavior. So if you've been a huge nuisance there, if you've caused problems, if you've been ejected by security, things like that, they're not going to give you seven stars. If you owe them money, they're not going to give you seven stars. If you didn't earn enough tier credits, they're not going to give you seven stars. But other than that, you're getting seven stars. They, they did not care how you were using the program. They didn't care if you were overcomp. They didn't care if you were just staying at the hotels over and over and over without playing. As long as you earned the 150,000 tiers in the, in the time frame you're supposed to, that's all they cared about as long as those other things weren't an issue. So nobody was ever getting denied for seven stars other than those reasons I mentioned. It was a pretty safe bet that if you earn seven stars that you're going to get it. It wasn't guaranteed at any time they could change it, but it was a pretty safe bet. And until 2018, I had not read one report of anybody who was rejected for seven stars other than owing money or having previous behavior issues. But there was an email that was posted that was a little bit disturbing for anybody who wanted to earn seven stars by playing the very minimum. Now, I got this third hand, so I don't know who posted the email. I don't know where it came from. I can't even say 100% that it is authentic, though I think it is. But this was dated September 13th, 2018. Dear Mr. Whatever, it was blacked out, so I can't see who it's to. Thank you for your inquiry into the seven-star upgrade on your account. There are a few things we look for in order to upgrade our guests to this level. First, we look for a tier score of 150,000 and above. You meet this criteria. Second, we look for zero negative remarks. You meet this criteria. So that means there's no problem with his account, no problem with his behavior, no problem with uh, owing money to them. So that should be it, right? Nope. Third, we look for study and increasing trip-to-trip casino play. You do not meet this criteria. Fourth, we look for comps that stay within our citywide comp policy. You do not meet this criteria. We will not be able to approve the seven-star status at this time. Thank you, Kent Houston. Well, we looked up Kent Houston. When I say we, I mean we were having this discussion on the Vegas Casino Talk forum, my other forum. And it was found that Kent Houston actually works at the Rio and is a supervisor over there. So this wasn't just a guy answering, you know, it wasn't just some support monkey at Total Rewards. This, is, this was a, a guy who has some kind of managerial role in the casino at the Rio. 
he's one of the people who's given the task to approve or deny seven stars, and he denied someone, provided this email is authentic, which I think it is, on September 13th, 2018. So the reasons for his denial were not having steady and increasing trip-to-trip casino play and for not redeeming comps within their citywide comp policy. Now, what does the latter mean? What do they mean by the citywide comp policy? What he's trying to say here is that uh, basically the guy's just staying for free and redeeming comps and, and rarely playing. That's what he's trying to say. He's saying this this person is maximizing the value of seven-star with the minimal play. That's what he's trying to say here, so we're not giving you seven-star. We don't know who this was to. We don't know the exact story. Now, Keep in mind, there are some people who really, really, really abuse the hell out of the 7-star. There are people like in Atlantic City, for example. This sounds crazy, but there's actually 7-stars roommates in Atlantic City. They, they, they can't do it this year because they don't get the guaranteed rooms anymore. But prior to 2018, there were people who would get together, like two people, who would alternate booking four-night comp rooms at Caesars Properties in Atlantic City and live there. And they'd live together. So this way, you know, person A would book four nights and person B would book four nights. And person A would book four nights and person B would book four nights. And this way they could stay the entire year at the Caesars property and live there. The only problem is they have to live together because they only have one room. The reason they have to do this is because you you, you can't do four nights back to back to back to back. You, you have to have two nights in between. So this is the way they get around is they have two people alternating. I would think that's an all, an awful way to live, but I guess if you're cheap enough <laughs> to them, it was worth it. So there were people doing that and not playing other than to earn the seven star every two years. So that's why they're clamping down on it for people like that. But this person who was denied is probably someone in Vegas because it was Ken Houston who denied him. And Ken Houston's at the Rio. So it probably wasn't one of those extreme Atlantic City abusers. But it could have been someone. I mean, there may be more to the story than we know. But notice it doesn't say anything that this guy did wrong misbehavior-wise. He doesn't owe money. He doesn't have negative remarks on his account. So it really does look like he just got denied because he's overcomped and, and redeeming as much as he can and playing as little as he can. So with that in mind, I was afraid to earn just about all of my tier credits through this auction promo. Because if I did, when it came time for someone like Kent Houston, it wouldn't be Kent Houston because that's not my dominant property, but someone like him to uh, review my account, I was afraid they would see all I had was $56,000 coin in and somehow had 150,000 tier credits out of it, which wouldn't make a lot of sense. They'd figure out very quickly that I did it through a promo and that that would not be the level of play that they're looking for to renew someone seven stars. Not a guarantee that would happen. It's possible that the person would just rubber stamp it. Some of these supervisors are kind of lazy and they don't feel like scrutinizing each account and they just quickly check there's no negative remarks and quickly check uh, the person owes no money and they've got the number of tiers and that's it and they rubber stamp it, but other supervisors like this Ken Houston do. So I was thinking, well, do I really want to go all the way to Maricopa, which is about 450 miles away? Do I really want to go all the way there play $56,000 worth of action into negative expectation games and well-negative expectation. They're 
most of them are under 99% return with perfect play. And then you have to also understand that if you don't hit a Royal flush, which is likely you won't hit one, then you have to subtract another 2% because the Royal is about 2% of the return. So I, I'd probably lose uh, on that whole thing you know, near $2,000 on average in most cases. And then maybe get denied anyway after that whole long trip there. And how annoying would that be? I drive all that way, almost a thousand miles round trip. I lose on average $2,000 playing. Maybe I could lose more if I run bad. And then they deny my seven star anyway. And I won't have the guaranteed rooms. Even if I do get seven star. So I decided the benefit of getting the seven star just wasn't enough to me to make it worth it. Now, if I could be guaranteed I get the seven star, then I would have done it. But because there's a risk that I will get it or not, I decided not to. What I was most worried about was that Action was going to be inundated by people who wanted to earn seven stars this way. And that Caesars would very quickly learn that and deny everybody. That was my fear, especially because the hotel was completely booked up that night and only that night. So that indicated a lot of people were in town to do this. And I thought, okay, if Caesar suddenly has all these new seven stars who only played $56,000 worth, they're going to figure out what's going on and, and they're not going to prove any of this. There's some people on Vegas Casino Talk who were saying that they believe these people would get approved because Caesars is just trying to bring people in with this promotion and that they're, they're very aware people will do it and they're just trying to introduce them to the program. No, that's not how Seven Stars works. Seven Stars is a program that Caesars has to reward people for being their best customers, their most lucrative customers. Seven Stars is not an intro to bring people into the casino. It's not a loss leader. And they've been getting more and more hard line in recent years with people who are earning seven stars that they don't feel are playing to the seven stars level. So believe me, if the supervisors who are approving this notice that the person earned their tier credits this way, they're not—they're probably not going to grant them the seven stars. It doesn't matter if they notice or not. Now, there are some people who went there to just kind of finish out their seven stars. Some people had already earned 50 thousand, sixty thousand, seventy thousand tier credits the old fashioned way, and they just kind of earn the second half of it this way. They have a better chance because they also played normally. But if you earned almost all your tier credits this way, as I would have, I think there's a good chance you get denied, especially if you're not already seven star. Now I'm already seven star, so I would have had a little bit of a better chance with that, but I still think there's a very good chance I would have been denied. So I said screw it. But but and this is why I have some regret. Someone on Vegas Casino Talk reported that they were shocked that there were barely anyone there who seemed to be attempting seven stars. That first of all, it just wasn't busy in general. They were very surprised. And and number two, they saw the amount people were playing. And and basically, once people got to their 600 tier credits for Diamond, they quit. That they only found one other person there during their time there who seemed to be earning seven stars. Now, this person left at about 3 p.m., so there was a whole remainder of the day. I'm sure other people showed up, especially in the later hours, to do this. But I think my belief that there's going to be a mass number of people showing up to do this was incorrect. 
And now that I know that's the way it happened, now that I think now I think there's a higher chance I would have been approved had I done it because they would not have been on guard for this. If the, if there were not that many people doing it, they wouldn't have, have been concerned. I was afraid there's going to be like like a hundred new seven stars this way, and they're going to go, oh no 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 no, nobody gets it this way. But if there's only a few, they probably they may not catch it. So I kind of regretted that I didn't at least try. But by the time I found this out, it was too late. So. Uh, I, I do want to make it clear once again that seven stars isn't what a lot of you think it might be. You don't get better comps. You don't get better offers. You don't get better free play. You don't get sweets. You don't get lavish meals. No. Seven stars gives you a very specific group of benefits that you get once a year. You get $500 worth of food vouchers. You get a, a trip where they pay up to $1,200 of your airfare to only to Caesars Properties. Though. You, you can't just go anywhere. Uh, and $500 food credit wherever you go on that one trip. And then uh, you get the priority lines, but Diamond gets that too. And you get a highly discounted Norwegian cruise, which they claim is free for seven days. But it's not just highly discounted. That, that's what you get, basically, for seven stars. And they'll make exceptions for you to policy as long as it's not a major exception. You can, When, when the, they say no to you about something and you want them to make an exception to do something a little bit differently, you pull out your seven stars card. You say, oh, I'm a seven star. Can you, can you do this for me? And a lot of times the answer will be yes. I've done it. Other people I know have done it. That's, a, that, that's one aspect of the program. They trade employees to make little exceptions for seven stars. Uh, there's many different ways that you can apply that, and I have. Uh, one example, a simple example, I've walked into a restaurant. Uh, Hi, can you take me tonight? No, I'm sorry, sir, we're all booked up. Uh, well, I'm, I'm seven stars. Uh, is there any way you can squeeze me in? Uh, hang on. Yeah, okay, if you wait 15 minutes, we'll get you a table. Like, I've had that before. So I'm going to miss that type of thing. That, that's, I think, what I miss most about the seven stars. Also, the World Series of Poker, you actually jump at the, to the head of the line for the cash games if you're seven stars. So there's little things like that I'm going to miss having. But uh, the lack of free hotel rooms is a killer. They don't guarantee that anymore. And so seven stars does not affect your offers. Some people think, oh, I'm seven stars. Wow, I can't believe the free play I'm going to get now. No, it's, gonna, it's not going to affect your free play at all. Your free play is based upon your recent and semi-recent play, not your tier level. There are people who are gold, the bottom tier, who get better offers than the seven stars do. So the seven stars, if, if the standard benefits they spell out there, plus the ability to get little exceptions made for things, if, if that's not impressive to you, then don't bother with it. Another reason I didn't want to bother was that I still don't know my future with taking flights. The one thing that's improved the most, I get a lot of people asking, how are you feeling these days? People keep asking me. And I go, oh, mostly the same. Well, the thing that's improved the most for me has been the anxiety situation. That's the biggest difference between three months ago and today. And the one thing I still cannot do, though I'm going to try sometime soon, but I, at the moment I can't do it, is get on an airplane. 
I, I used to have no problem. I, I could take super long flights, no problem at all. You know, there's some people out there who can take flights, but they need to take a Valium beforehand. I was never one of those people. I could just get on a flight, take it, and everything's fine. My only problem was legroom sometimes. <laughs> but uh, aside from the legroom, or sometimes bad service by the airlines, uh, I was fine with flying. Didn't have the slightest bit of panic or anxiety or anything like that. Uh, not anymore. So that, that will be the biggest challenge. And I will not know till I try. It's possible I'll take a flight and it'll go surprisingly well. And I go, wow, I don't know why I was worried about this. But it's also possible the second I get on the plane, I'll freak out. I'll have to, when I do it, I'll have to bring some Xanax along with me. But that still may, may not be enough. That still may leave me in a panic. So I'll have to do a test flight, a short one, like an hour-long flight. But I keep thinking, like, do I want to do that yet? And I keep thinking, no, I'm not quite ready for that yet. So because of that reason, the cruise and the trip that they give you as part of Seven Stars, which are two big benefits from it, uh, are not as valuable to me. And I didn't take either this year because of what happened to me. I ended up just letting those go. Now, the trip I was able to exchange for $500 in reward credits, which isn't as good, but at least it's a kind of consolation prize, but the 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 cruise I just had to let go. Because the there's only one cruise I can take without flying there, and that's uh well it's two cruises, but neither of them are that impressive. One goes down Mexico, the other one goes up the coast of California, but neither seem very interesting. So I ended up just not doing it. So I'm not sure what my future is with flying. Maybe a year from today, I'll be able to take cross-country flights, no problem. Maybe my anxiety will be completely gone by then. Maybe I'll find that it's not completely gone, but that uh, I can fly without much issue. Much like I can drive uh, to Vegas with no issue. And that's about the same amount of time as a cross-country flight. So maybe it'll be fine. But maybe it won't be. Maybe I'll get on the plane and then panic and either have to get off or, or, or force myself through it and say, okay, I'm not doing that again. So I, I think I've got to know the status of this before I really do anything to earn flight type stuff that I may not be able to use. In fact, I'm even prepared to if the flight goes badly, the first test flight, that I'll be somewhere close enough that I can always rent a car and drive back. I'm not even going to book. I'm not going to book a round trip yet. I think I would book a one way. That's probably what I would do. Just book a one way to see how it goes, and either way, drive back. So we will see if we get reports of people who get denied if they're seven star from earning this. Now, why did very few people show up for this? Why was not everybody all over this 25 tier credit, 25 times tier credit? This is a, there's never been anything like this before that I've ever seen from Caesars properties. And by the way, this was offered just by Akchin. So this is not a Caesars-wide thing. This is something the, the Indian tribe decided to do. This was not something Caesars did to attract people or anything like that. 
why was it not that well attended? Because for whatever reason, there wasn't much buzz about it online. It was covered by the Seven Stars Insider Newsletter. And it was discussed on a few forums around the internet. But if you see, if you go Google it, if you go Google uh, Akchin 25 times, you will see that the greatest discussion of it by far was on Vegas Casino Talk. Everywhere else, there's like a little discussion and the people discussing it are kind of clueless. The only real intelligent, extensive discussion of this was on my site, Vegas Casino Talk. So it just wasn't anything that really caught on with the general public, even though it should have. So we'll see. I'll report back if people actually got their seven stars. If they did, I'll especially regret it. I kind of have mixed feelings now because, like... I, I, For the people's sake who did it I hope they get what they were trying for But at the same time If they get it and I didn't Then the selfish part of me is going to be pissed Whereas if they fail Then I'll be happy with myself for deciding not to do it You know those weird things where uh, You want to root for somebody else's success But then if you root for their success you, you kick yourself for Not having done it yourself When you had the chance All right, if you want to call in 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355, I saw we got a call earlier from uh, from Canada, which I didn't take. But if, if this Canadian listener wants to call back in or anybody else to call in, I will take your call, 775-372-8355. You still with us, Trader Ruski? I'm here. You're here. Uh, what what level are you at, at Caesars? I you know I haven't put that much thought into it, so I'm not even sure. I don't play there too much. Okay. And Jen Druff, could they have checked? So say you did go to the casino or to the place in uh, Phoenix, outside of Phoenix. You went for it. Now they're judging your criteria. Could they see that you had been banned from this casino, this other one? No. It has no relation to Caesars. Okay, but there's you don't go into any central database? They sometimes there used to be something, but I don't think it exists anymore. I, I think that they I think if I was banned for a play related reason I could have been, but they sometimes they'll share with each other, but this wouldn't affect Caesars. Caesars, I, I have a long history there, and they can see I've never had a problem with uh, any kind of uh, disciplinary issue, so to speak. That I, I, they, they've security has never had any incidents with me, and uh, any complaints I have, you know, I was proven right at the end, and it was resolved. There's never been a time that I've made a complaint over something where I was wrong. So, okay, we have a call coming in. So so the answer is no, that wouldn't affect it. That I'm not worried about. Yeah, but okay, we'll take the call. I'll continue. Yeah, okay. Caller, are you on the air? Hey, Todd, it's Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr. You see, what's going on? What's up, Bobby? Good, I sent you that. And if you look at 24, that's Daniel's agenda for this 2019, not uh, Joey's. Oh, let me, okay, then I'm going to play it right now. Let me play it. 
Yeah, Bobby Orr is the yeah, one. Yeah, 24. And I'll tell you, that's Daniel's agenda. Make Amanda happy, lock her up, and knock her up in 2019. Oh, so I said 23 on my thing. Not to, I, I, I went to 24, and I saw just the car. I see. Okay, now I see what you're saying. Yeah, well, okay. if you... If you all right. Yeah, okay. Okay. So, so at twenty, at right, twenty-three no, seconds. Okay. Th- thank you, Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr's a nice guy, by the way. Okay. I, I, I met him in uh, in Vegas, and I actually, I thought enough of Bobby Orr to where I, I actually let him come up to my hotel room, and I was alone with him. And you know, if 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 I didn't trust him, you know, he could he could have, uh, you know, he could have killed me for all I knew. But he, he seemed like a good guy, and uh, I, I let him come up uh, while I was doing radio. Anyway, uh, he just pointed me to a Joey Ingram video. If you want to see it yourself, it's the Joey Ingram video released yesterday on the 27th, December 27th. Uh, it's called Man Emotional Over WSOP Problem Plus Ivy Spotted, blah, blah, blah. It's on Joey Ingram 1 on YouTube. And at the 23-second mark, uh, you'll see... This is posted by, it's a picture of Negranu's Instagram, Dineg's Poker, and <laughs> Negranu posted this. It says, 2019, forever, to, to forever, this is like on a whiteboard, he's like writing his agenda, 2019 to forever, make Amanda happy, lock her up, and... Knock her up. Wow. <laughs> Not subtle at all. By the way, this got uh, over 2,600 likes. 2019 and through forever. Make Amanda happy. Lock her up plus knock her up with a heart. Jeez. All right. Uh, let me tell you what else bothers me about this. I hate to go back to this topic. But let me tell you what else bothers me about this. Uh, there was a term they used in Seinfeld called I have hand. Uh, are you familiar with this, Trader Ruski? Oh, yes. Yeah, so uh, that that refers to the person in the relationship who kind of has the power because uh, they care about being there less than the other person. So let's say there is a girl who's not that I'm really, I'm not into her very much at all. I'm kind of just okay with being with her, but I could take her or leave her. But the girl is really, really into me in that relationship. I have hand because, uh, to her, being with me is everything, and I can take her or leave her. So if she says, hey, Todd, I'm leaving, you're like, okay, bye, I don't care. <laughs> if, if I tell her I'm leaving her, then, then she'd be devastated, so therefore that, that would give me power. And, and vice versa, if I were really into the girl and she just thinks I'm kind of okay, she would have hand. So they, 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 that was a term on Seinfeld. So it is a mistake, no matter how you feel about the person you're with, to give away too much that you feel this way, that you feel much strong, stronger about them than they feel about you. Because this will give them the incentive to mistreat you, or even if they don't really mistreat you, to just not care as much about making you happy. They'll feel they don't have to try. 
because you're already obsessed with them and, and they don't care all that much about you. So they, they know you're going to knock yourself out to make them happy and they have to do nothing to make you happy. And that's a mistake. Even if you're really, really into the person, it's a mistake to give them that impression. Now, once you're with someone for many, many years and, and uh, once the relationship is so stable and, and long-term, uh, at that point, it becomes a little bit of a different story. Or if, if they are expressing just incredible emotion about you and you just basically return it, that's fine too because you're still still on equal ground. If you're really, really into her and she's really, really into you, that's fine. Still nobody has hand because uh, both people are equally into each other even though it's at a high level in both cases. Now, I I haven't seen Amanda put out anything about Negreanu the same way. Maybe privately she says it to him, but I, saying this type of thing is a mistake. It's, it's of course, his business. It's up to him. It doesn't hurt me any that he does this, but I, I just, it's a big mistake to do that. You you have to hold back your enthusiasm some. I'm not saying to, not to show emotion or not to tell the girl you love her or, uh, or or not to tell someone you want to be with them or you want to marry them. Obviously, that stuff will need to come out and you'll say that and you'll need to make them feel secure in the relationship. But But, but if you are going over the top with your feelings and affection for them, and, and they're not returning it, and you're way higher than they are, then all this is doing is putting yourself in, in a, an unnecessarily vulnerable position and, and basically asking yourself to get used and mistreated. And I'm not saying you should seek the other way. I'm not saying that you should uh, act like an emotionless robot and, and let uh, the person with you show all the enthusiasm for the relationship just so you can have hand. I, I think the relationships are best when it's about equal. I, I think it's best when both people are about equally into the other. And it doesn't need to be this level of a supreme obsession. Just something at a relatively high level of wanting to be with the other person is fine. And if both people feel that way, then that's the way the relationship has the best chance to succeed. But this this whole thing about make Amanda happy, lock her up and knock her up. I mean, unless she's saying the same type of stuff to him behind closed doors and seems to mean it, that's a mistake to put that type of stuff out there. But that's kind of bothering me too, just to see happening, even though it doesn't affect me. <laughs> so Joey Ingram posts that there. Uh, Joey Ingram, I don't believe he's a big fan of Negranu's because he's friends with Doug Polk. And you know what Polk thinks of Negranu? Here, let's, see, let's hear what, what Ingram says about this. Daniel Negreanu, the poker boyfriend of the year. We investigate what shenanigans Daniel's up to now. <laughs> okay. Poker boyfriend of the year. That just increases the chance that this thing's going to end badly. That just increases that chance. Not only, if, if I were on the other side of this, Let's say I was in a relationship. I actually have been before, not not the current one, by the way. But I've been in relationship. I've been in one before, more than one before, where where the girl was a lot more into me than I was into them, and and it bothered me because I felt guilty about it. I I felt like that like someone who's that into me, they deserve a guy who likes them better. I actually ended those after not too long, in most cases, because I didn't feel it was fair to them. Okay. Little uh, 
update to the other thing there just because of what Bobby Orr pointed out to me. I think I'm done with the auction topic. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty much done with that. Uh, Trader Risk, do you have any more questions about that? About the whole auction thing? You said if I were to go do it, uh, what was your question going to be? With it, with no, they... I mean, what was going to be to, you know, that if you could show that, look, somebody needs to pay attention to this because now this is, this could, I could lose money and have real damages because of this. If I didn't get seven stars or something that would happen, then, you know, maybe you'd be taken more seriously and looked into. Wait. If they feel there's, you know, that you just can't come to your casino, that's one thing. But if it can if it can affect you getting seven stars, other things. Oh, oh, you're talking about my band. You know. Yeah, no, no, I, I don't think. Right, can, I, how about your band? Right, I don't. Okay, that that's a good point. If if they were to share false information about me, you're correct. Then I, then I think I may even have a legal case because then there, then it does become right because then you have actual damages right, you can then, show, and if you're right. a professional poker player, that's even better. And and it, and it can be claimed to be libel also. That, that that then it becomes libel or slander depending on the way they they communicate it. So yes, if they keep it internally, if they keep internally that I was uh, falsely accused of whatever, but they never published this anywhere, or 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 well, or, and well, and you know, it both. But you know what, Jeff? Too while it's not public, I wish Eric Benzumoki was up. There's still people there at the casino that know it. You know, they could go to other casinos, and now they think you did something. You yeah, but but I'd have to prove that. So I mean, it's not a, not like they're broadcasting it. I get that, but still, there are people that know. Yeah, as long as they're not, open your mouth yeah, or not. I think as long as they don't share it outside the company, then I, I would I could not claim any damages. If if they shared it outside the company in any way, then and it wasn't true, which it isn't, then then I think then I would have damages, and then then it would. Start to be live. Well, I think it's if you have damages, you have damages. If the guy quits tomorrow and then goes to Caesar, gets hired by Caesars, and then all of a sudden you got rejected for something or something happened, then you'd be able to show damages, right? Uh, so I don't know that there's maybe. anything. Maybe. That's more complicated. Now, if a guy quit and then just passed along the information, then I could have damages, but that would be against the employee, not, uh, not uh, the place that banned me, because the place that banned me was not attempting to share it and it was just stolen by someone who quit. So that's now if someone who just happened to know about it and switched companies, that I don't know how that that would be a little bit weird. I'm not sure legally what could be done there. But uh at the moment I haven't seen any evidence that it's been shared anywhere. And I'm going to share it myself pretty soon. So <laughs> that's that's uh but I'm going to share it the opposite. I'm going to say I didn't do this and this is uh this is ridiculous. So okay. And by the way, sorry. Last question: Do you know how? Do you know how long they do keep the video for? Uh, that varies from casino. Because I imagine it couldn't be that long. No, it actually is. I looked this up recently. It actually is. Most places keep video for like six months or more. So, so the all right. So then you're but you're coming to the part of it. If you don't, if you know it was in the summer, then you better do something soon. Yeah, I mean, you know, right. I mean, and, and and not only that, but they. Uh, they may have it anyway. They may have saved it anyway because they're, you know, they they have some incident they think happened, and they probably have the video of that. Right, somewhere. that's a good point. So, so they, they probably pulled that. They stuff probably pulled it. And, still have it. And, and as soon as they pull it, it's not. I can tell you, it's not me. I can prove it's not me. So, um, I, I even wonder, you know, who do they? Who, I think what they are alleging happened. It just wasn't me. So I, I, 
I wonder how different the person looks than me. Was it really just a complete mistaken identity where it's someone who looks completely different? Or could it be someone who, who has a similar look to me from a distance? Uh, one thing that is a little unusual about me is I'm tall. So uh, I, I'm I'm taller. I looked this up once. I'm taller than like more than 95% of males in the U.S. So that would... Uh, now, if someone's like with an inch of my height, it's like you won't be able to tell on camera. But, but yeah, you know, still, if it's someone who's like five foot eight who did this, then it's clear it's not me. Even if the video is not that clear, if you see two people standing together and the other guy's not that tall, it's clearly not me. Uh, if it's, I don't know how clear the video would be. But I would think, unless the person looks similar to me and is a similar height to me, I would think it'd be pretty fast to be able to tell it's not me. So I, I, I'm just about sure I could disprove it. Unless the video is like really grainy and it's another guy who is around my height and has the same general look. And, and, and also that it occurred at a time I can't prove I was somewhere else. So, okay. Anyway, moving on here. Online poker may be coming soon to another state, a big state. That is Michigan. I don't like to cover these online poker is coming to such and such state stories because, number one, they're boring. And number two, a lot of times it does not pan out. But, uh, well, never mind. (laughs) I just saw an update to the story. I I just killed my own story here. Uh, Online poker was supposed to come to Michigan. They were going to bring legalized online poker and other forms of online gambling to the state, kind of similar to what New Jersey has. Uh, House Bill 4926 in Michigan that uh, was passed. It was passed by both the House and the Senate there. But uh, it got vetoed by the governor, Rick Snyder. Now, it's not necessarily dead, because I, I see that it was passed with enough of a majority to uh, get past the veto, but because of that veto, and because the House and the Senate in Michigan have ended for the 2018 year, which we don't have much longer in the year, obviously, but that the, until they reopen in 2019 in late January... They, uh, uh, this is going to be dead. So it's not totally dead, but you know, had he not vetoed it, then online poker would have been legalized there. So I was reading before this article. This article I'm reading is an update that was just printed uh, tonight. I didn't see earlier when I was preparing for the show. So what I'd seen before was that this was likely, the Michigan was likely going to come to Michigan because it was uh, very he- heavily voted for approval. The story I saw before, written five days ago, said that by a 33-5 to 5 vote in the House, it passed. And uh, that it also, I, I don't see the margin in which it passed the Senate, but it also passed the Senate, Easily, so 
it wasn't assumed it was going to be vetoed by the governor, but it was. That just happened. So here is the letter from Michigan Governor, Michigan Governor Rick Snyder on why he vetoed the bills for legalizing online poker, which would become the fifth state to have legalized online poker. The other states to have legalized it are Nevada, New Jersey, Delaware, and Pennsylvania. Rick Snyder wrote this, a significant amount of work into these bills and getting them to a place where several stakeholders either express support or neutrality, and I appreciate that many pro-gaming stakeholders uh, coalesced around these bills. However, due to largely unknown budgetary concerns, I believe this legislation merits more careful study in comparison with how other states have or will authorize online gaming. To be blunt, we simply don't have the data to support this change at this time. Principally, gambling behavior could shift from the state's lottery program to Internet-based gambling at casinos. In fiscal year 2017, the lottery distributed $924 million to the school aid fund. For each $10 of spending on the lottery, the school aid fund received approximately $2.76. Under this bill, because of its lower tax rate, each $10 in online betting translates into just $0.04 deposited into the school aid fund. Such significant reduction without a clearer understanding of Internet gambling revenue growth potential is concerning. Moreover, I am also concerned that revenues may be lost as gambling behavior shifts from on-premises to online. That's interesting logic he's using here. That He's he's not saying, oh, no, I don't want to see online gambling in the state, gambling evil and bad. He's actually attacking this from a financial standpoint. He says, finally, I'm concerned that the bills will encourage gambling by making it much easier to do so. Okay, there's that part, too. Uh, I do not think it's appropriate to sign legislation that will effectively result in more gambling with a reasonable chance that the state could lose revenue that could be helpful in dealing with social service issues that are uh, ordinarily attendant to increased gambling behavior. I I think he just threw that in there so it doesn't just look like this is about money. Otherwise, he's kind of contradicting here, like saying, uh, uh, yeah, this is going to replace other gambling and, and the state's going to lose money. And, oh, uh, we also just don't want more gambling here. But wait a minute. Like, I thought you were just saying it's going to replace the other gambling. So there's not going to be more gambling. So <laughs> which one is it? If this is going to be additional gambling, the state will make more money. It's kind of contradictory, those two statements, but you can tell what he's really concerned with. He's saying that 27.6% of all spending on the state lottery goes to schools. So every time someone buys a lottery ticket for a dollar in Michigan, almost 28 cents goes to the schools. And he's saying that online poker for, quote, every $10 in online betting, I don't know what online betting is, defined as for online poker. But for online poker or online casinos, that for every $10 bet, that less than half a cent would go to the schools instead of the almost 28 cents that's going under the lottery. So he's saying if people quit playing the lottery and move it to online gambling and online poker, uh, this fund that goes to the schools is going to get decimated. I don't agree with that, though. Most lottery players are not likely to be the same as as online gamblers or poker players. Uh, well, 
I don't know, may, maybe somewhat. But a lot of people who, who play the lottery, they're really playing to hit something really big. They're they're playing to taking a very small chance to win something huge. Or most of these online casino games are more about winning something that's uh, uh, nice to win at the moment, but not, not life changing. Especially poker. Uh, but then, we, see, I think Michigan would would still gain from this, even if they lose some expenditures in the lottery. I still think that this would introduce a lot more people playing who just didn't like the lottery. Say, yeah, I don't ever play the lottery. The lottery is a, a terrible deal. The state keeps like half the money, so uh, the rake on that is horrendous, and there's no skill to it. So there's a lot of people who feel that way. And there's a lot of people who would play casino games and poker that would not play the lottery. So I think they'd get a lot of new customers, but I think they would make up for whatever they lose in the lottery here. But I think he's saying, like, I don't want to screw with it. I think he's saying, look, we we haven't seen this in enough other, enough other states that also have a lottery. And I don't want to approve this and have it devastate that school aid fund that the lottery is is supporting. I'm happy with the way things are, basically, is what he's saying. I I don't want to mess with it. Yeah, maybe we can do a little bit better, but I don't want to mess with it. That's what he's saying. He's saying, if it's broke, don't fix it. So he wants to see other states and what happens to their lottery. He wants to wait. He wants to say, oh, let's, let's let other states screw this up first, and then, then we'll see where it is. If they If other states try it and it works out great and their lottery is not affected, then full speed ahead. Otherwise, uh, no. We got to see it. We got to see someone else try first. Let, let another state be the guinea, guinea pig here. So this, I was reading this for the first time, by the way. I This article was not up when I prepared for the show tonight. So I was reading it for the first time. I'm analyzing it on the air. Uh, now, interestingly, this article, which is by Haley Hintz on FleshDraw.net, the article notes that many of Rick Snyder's comments are similar to what Sheldon Adelson's Coalition to Stop Internet Gambling group has claimed, that it's going to impact the lottery. So uh, it's not clear if this group maybe influenced the governor in some way or if he just happened to come to the same conclusions. The primary sponsor of that bill said this, and it's a rep named uh, State Rep Brant Iden. He said this, The governor just vetoed bills. I'm surprised that and disappointed with this many stakeholders on board, it took us two years to get to this point, and it's the first time in any state history that we had all the parties that were supportive of the bill in agreement. So they are going to reintroduce this bill in 2019. You may say, well, won't Governor Snyder do the same thing? Well, no, he won't. And the reason for that is that Governor Snyder will not be the governor anymore. There will be a new governor that takes office in January 2019. So it's very possible in January that we're going to see legalization 
of Michigan poker. Just needs the governor to get on board. Disposition. Uh, I don't know if he's in Michigan or not, but this is what he wrote. He's, he's very emotional about this topic. He's in the chat. Snyder, you fucking tool. Your state needs the clean water money because of you. Throw that fucking jail already. Diverting clean, clean water away from the city is acceptable. Hit the showers already. Uh, he's already he, he's he's all about screwing shit up that works. This is not why. He's a huge scumbag. <laughs> this position hates this guy. But he's uh, no longer going to be the governor very shortly. So they're going to give it a shot with a different governor. In late January. We will see where it goes. It, it would help. It would help if Michigan legalizes online poker. That's a pretty big population state. Especially if they can merge player pools with Nevada and New Jersey. Then maybe WSOP.com won't be a fail site, even though Bill Reney's in charge. Maybe it can actually work. Uh, in case you're wondering, uh, Rick Snyder is a Republican. And the next governor is uh, Gretchen Whitmer, who actually takes office in a few days. I I thought they don't take office until mid-January. No, they actually take office in Michigan on New Year's Day of the following year. So January 1st, 2019, Democrat Gretchen Whitmer is going to be governor. Gretchen Whitmer is only about six months older than me. Hmm. I was looking at her picture because she doesn't look that old. No, she's six months older than me. She's going to be uh, governor of Michigan in a few days. So we'll see if she is supportive of this. I'm thinking she probably will. That's my guess. But we'll see. You never know. With online poker, you never know. Republican or Democrat, you never know who's going to support it. Some Las Vegas news. The Win is suing the upcoming Resorts World property for looking too similar to the win. Yeah, very weird lawsuit. Here's what is going on. Uh, Resorts World is going to be the first mega resort to open in Vegas in over a decade when it opens up in 2020. It's going to be fairly close to the win. So it's going to be really the main competition for the win. The win is in the north part of the strip. And once you go further north than the win, there really aren't that many properties of consequence. And the ones that are there, like Circus Circus, uh, don't really compete with the win because they have uh, different target clientele, much lower end clientele than at the win, which is 
a higher-end casino. Resorts World is also going to be a higher-end casino. It is a $4 billion casino project from the Genting Group, which is Malaysian-based. It is under construction. As I said, it'll probably open around 2020. That's when it's slated to open. And it's very close to the win, pretty much across the street from the win in Encore. So the win has filed suit stating that Resort World looks quite similar to the win and that this was done on purpose in order to confuse or mislead the public into believing that the properties are all under one umbrella, that basically it's an extension of the win. There already is an extension of the win owned by the win called the Encore. So they're afraid that uh, given the proximity here, that people will think of one side of the street is the win and Encore, the other side is this resorts world, which is also associated with win and Encore when it's really not, it's really the competition. The lawsuit states the architectural design embodied in Defendant's Resorts World Las Vegas Hotel and Casino is substantially similar to Plaintiff's registered copyrighted architectural work, and therefore Defendant is violating Plaintiff's copyrights in addition to Plaintiff's registered and common law trade dress. Trade dress? I didn't know that Steve Wynn wore a dress. Resorts World broke ground in 2015 and they were approved by Nevada Gaming in 2016. They are on the site of the old Stardust, which was wrecked in 2007. The wind has been around for 13 years. They built the Encore three years after that. I'm looking at the pictures of the two here side by side and I don't see it I mean I see a little similarity but not enough for a lawsuit where they're kind of similar and you can google this if you want to see where they're kind of similar is they're kind of tall skinny buildings skinny means they don't have much depth to them they're tall they're wide but they don't have much depth and they kind of have a rounded top so they both do have that so they have kind of a similar shape, but the color of the property is different. There's uh, the wind just has kind of a smooth look on the front. It looks like uh, like if there was a miniature wind, you could rub your hand over the whole thing and not feel any anything over your hand. It would just be smooth. Whereas Resorts World does not have a smooth front like that. So like if I saw Resorts World by itself, I wouldn't go, huh, that looks just like the wind. I wouldn't say that at all. Do I see some similarities? Yes, but. I don't know if they really designed it on purpose to confuse people. It is possible that they liked the design of the wind and said, oh, this is a pretty cool design. You know, let's, let's make something kind of similar. We, we like it, which they don't have a right to do. They can't steal the wind's design, but there's only so far this goes. All hotels have some degree of similarity to in looks if they're uh, large hotels except for really unique ones. Uh, Trader Risk, are you still with us here? I want to send you a, a, a link to that picture. You still there? Yep. Okay. Yep, I'm here. 
Yeah, I just sent you a link. You can click on it, and you can see them it's side Skype by side. Yeah, it's the Skype, yeah, the Skype chat. So uh, click on that and tell me if you think, seeing them side by side, that they look similar enough for a lawsuit to be successful. Because I don't. I, I think it's it's. <coughs> I understand what they're saying, but I don't think it's that similar. Yeah, they look completely different. Well, if you look, you see they have the same shape, kind of, but there but there's too many. Right, the same shape, but I just think they're completely different color. Yeah. I mean, unless there's like an arch. I mean, the only thing I could think is like if there's an architectural thing that was trademarked, you know. Yeah, well, like sometimes artists can trademark like statues or awards, as an example, right? Yeah, I, I, I see. I think they're going to stick to the shape of the building looking very similar, but uh, there's just too many differences aside from the shape to where I don't think it's going to fool people. Like, I don't think it's going to be confused. I don't think it's going to look like an extension of the win. I think it just. Uh, it could be claimed that they made it in the style of the win, but not that they're trying to confuse anyone. If that's if that's what they're coming at, I don't think that's going to uh, trick anybody. I don't even think that was the goal. So, but Win is trying it now. Now, clearly, Win it's to their advantage to want to throw a wrench into Resorts World opening. As soon as Resorts World's open, they're going to lose business probably because it's right across the street. It'll be similar clientele. It'll be a, a much newer property. It'll be more of an interesting destination because it's new. So believe me, Wynn does not want this to open. So if they can delay the opening, then that's great for them. So it's possible even the Wynn thinks this is a frivolous lawsuit and they're doing it anyway. But I will you trade Ruski. I, I, I just can't see this really being of much merit. I think this is just trying to hassle an upcoming rival. All right, if you want to get a river phone call in, or almost river phone call, we're getting near the end of the show here. The final topic is going to be about a tickler. Sands Bethlehem. It's owned by the same people who uh, own Phoenician. Sands Bethlehem is located in Pennsylvania. And it uh, is in the Lehigh Valley region of eastern Pennsylvania. So it's a very, very east-central portion of the state where you could find it. And it's one of only five casinos that has a slots license in Pennsylvania. And it's been open since May 2009, so almost 10 years. So there was an incident there, not the fault of the sands, but this shows you what type of people hang out at casinos. A guy from New York was arrested, uh, I think it was about a week and a half ago, because of an attack on casino patrons at a bus terminal at the Sands Bethlehem. Jean, or I guess Jean, Jean Bossier, 
Bossier or Bossier, I don't know. Jean Bossier was at the bus terminal there at the Sands. This is not just a public bus stop. This is a bus terminal at the Sands on their property. He saw a sleeping woman at the bus terminal outside the casino. Now, why a woman falls asleep at a bus terminal outside the casino, I don't know. But uh, it doesn't say she was homeless. I think she was probably just, she'd probably been gambling all night and was tired. This was on a Sunday morning. So she had fallen asleep at the bus terminal there. And Jean Bossier was drunk. So he went up to this woman. And I don't know if he tried to wake her up or what, but uh, he went up to the sleeping woman at the bus terminal and started to tickle her. (laughs) He was drunk. And he's 58 years old. So he started tickling her. And she woke up. And she pushed him away, as you'd expect. Well, so then he stood up and hit her several times. And he picked up a chair to, like, hit her with or throw at her. So then some people who were standing there were like, what the hell is going on here? So some good Samaritans jumped to her defense to try to help her. Well... The people who were trying to defend her, he punched them as well. So finally police got there, and this guy was so smashed that it took three police officers to subdue him, despite the fact that he's 58 years old. I don't see a picture of this guy. I should have looked for one. I should have looked for a picture of him. But three guys to submit uh, to make him uh, subdued. That's... that's <laughs> That's uh, pretty impressive, especially if you're drunk. How do you manage that? You think they could just tip him over. But no. Uh, Let's see. Now I'm having trouble finding him here. There may not be a picture of him. No, I, I can't find one immediately. So anyway, uh, after they finally subdued him, Trader Ruski, after all that, so he, he tickled a woman sleeping. She tried to push him away. Then he hit her several times. Then he picked up a chair to hit her with or throw at her. People tried to intervene, and he hit them. And he resisted arrest, and it took three officers to subdue him. Since he was arrested, uh, what do you think the bail would be set at? What would be a good guess? Well, I think Vegas is probably That's, higher than. No, this wasn't most, Vegas. This, so. this, this, this was in, uh, in in Pennsylvania. Oh, okay, got it. Okay, yeah, that's what they said. Um, so Pennsylvania, I guess I'll say twenty-five k. You got the twenty-five right, except it was twenty-five hundred. Oh my god! How do you do all that in your bills? Twenty-five hundred. So again, the guy went up to a sleeping woman tickle her, hit her when she tried to push him away, tried to hit her with a chair, punched other people, resisted arrest, and got a $2,500 bail set for him. I mean, crazy. <laughs> District Judge Antonio Grifo set the bail at 2500 but the guy couldn't even afford the 2500 and he was sent to Northampton County Prison to await his hearing. 
Unbelievable. He was charged with disorderly conduct, harassment, and public drunkenness. Wait a minute. What about assault? So either either this story is inaccurate, or or, or this guy is is getting off real light. How are you not charged with assault and battery over this? Multiple counts. I don't get it. It's just suddenly disorderly conduct, harassment, and public drunkenness? Very strange. <laughs> Let's see if I can find any other articles about that. Now I'm just intrigued if maybe this article I'm reading about it is wrong. I know, so it's like, what are they giving out? Bail amounts of like $100 for this? <laughs> if that's 2500 Yeah. Then it's like, what's much less than that? So, I'm going here. It doesn't. It, so this article doesn't. I'm looking at the second article. Doesn't have a picture of him either. I said they were. Dis- I mean, the only thing I could think is he did a night in jail, and then he sobered up, went in a day or two later, you know, and just said he was out of his mind, drunk, and now he's sober. And he apologizes or something. So, uh, they also said that he was combative and uncooperative. Well, yeah, and, and he, he provided multiple addresses, so they couldn't even confirm his permanent address. Uh, and they, the judge allowed for unsecured bail, provided that they can identify the address, so he that he could just do a ten percent cash option. So I guess if he just posts two hundred fifty dollars, he could go home, and he didn't do it. Uh, you know, he does have to, if he posts bail, he would have to undergo random drug and alcohol screens. And remi- he remain- didn't bail out? It's, it's not wow. made clear in this article. The first article said he wasn't. The second one says that he, a 10% cash option he could do as long as they can verify his address. Yeah, it does say he, fa- he failed to post bail. So I guess he's just going to be waiting until until January 8th. They couldn't even come up with 250 bucks, So he's waiting until January 8th for his preliminary hearing. But I, I still don't understand why he's the only charged with disorderly conduct, public drunkenness, and harassment. I don't care if he's apologizing or not. I mean, he he actually hit people, including a woman. You tickle a woman, she pushes you away. You you punch her, try to hit her with a chair, and, and it's just disorderly conduct and public drunkenness. Twenty five hundred dollars bail, of which you have to only post two fifty. Think if I want to commit crimes, it's going to be Pennsylvania. I'm going to go to do it. Nuts. I don't get that at all. So don't don't go to bus don't go to sleep at bus stops, or you might wake up finding yourself tickled. I, I would never go to sleep at a bus stop, even if I had nothing valuable on me. I would just be very afraid of what would happen. I'm even kind of afraid to sleep in my car. I'll sleep in my car if absolutely necessary, but even then, I'm kind of nervous. And rightfully so. Sometimes things happen. Look at that story of that guy who was murdered in Vegas uh, sleeping in his car. Yeah, at CES yeah, two yeah. Years, three years ago. Yeah, three years ago, yeah. and the uh, I, I don't know, by the way, if I ever updated it, but uh, the, the people who did that were sentenced. The uh, And believe it or not, the, uh, the guy who actually shot him is actually going to be eligible to get out when he's like in his late 40s, like in 20 years. He got 20 years he has to serve, but uh, that's that's pretty fortunate considering it was just a cold-blooded murder there. I was very surprised he didn't get life. 
And uh, the girl who wasn't involved in the actual murder, but was, uh, you know, they were going around with a gun and, and breaking into vehicles. They, she just wasn't the one out there shooting him or anything. She got eight years, which that, that one made more sense. But uh couldn't believe the guy who murdered only got 20 years. If that, that, I mean, it, that one, the, the, the guy, you know, he approaches an innocent sleeping guy in his car and then just uh, shoots him. Shoots him through the window. No reason. Just just shoots him. It's, it's still, I think he was on drugs at the time or something. But it's not even clear why he shot him. Because they were just, they were robbing, they were breaking into cars that night and stealing stuff out of them. But what, I, I don't know why you just shoot a sleeping guy in the car. I know that their plan was to rob him, but why just like, shoot him? But somehow you get only 20 years for that? It was a plea bargain, but I mean, they had the goods on the dude. <laughs> they should they should have taken it to trial. I don't get it. I don't get some of these sentences sometimes. And the guy who's sentenced to twenty years, uh, but when he gets out, I think he'll be forty-seven. He'll be the age I'm about to be. So yeah, I spent twenty years in prison, but you can still live uh, plenty of your life out at forty-seven. It's not like I think the guy he shot was right around. Late 40s, too. No, no, he was early 40s. He was like 42 when he was from the Bay Area. Oh, he? he was from the Bay Area. This, this, yeah, was, this was a case where the guy was too cheap for his own good. He had a decent job uh, as a programmer in the Bay Area. And uh, for whatever reason, he liked to just live in his car just to save money. So he'd travel places and just park his car, sleep there, and then uh, beg the YMCA or, or some gym to just let him in, to go in there and shower. Yeah, no, I think he was. I think he was in front of like a twenty-four hour fitness, and oh, yeah, I think yeah, he yeah. was in the parking lot when he got shot. Yeah, but, but he correctly. has like a, he has like a habit of doing that. In fact, even when he's not traveling, he will live out of his car. And there's a guy who could totally afford to live in an apartment or a house. He just didn't want to. He's just super cheap, and uh, he had the misfortune of uh, running into those two. So, uh, but I, I've always felt kind of nervous about sleeping in my car. I've done it, but. I, I've never liked doing it. I've always had this just fear that once I fall asleep that something's going to happen. I feel best about sleeping in my car when it's raining because it's harder to see that someone's in the car sleeping and people are less likely to be out causing trouble when it's raining. So I'll sleep in the car if, if I'm too tired to continue driving, but it's not something I'd want to make a habit of doing. I haven't in a while. So... Crazy case, though, with this whole thing with uh, the tickler. They're getting 2500 If just for tickling, I'd understand the 2500 All the other stuff. Mm. That's it. That's that's all for tonight. If anybody wants to call in, a river phone call, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. Will we have a show next week? The answer is yes. What day will the show be next week? I'm guessing right now Thursday. That's that's what I'm shooting for. Actually, let me see. Let me see. Thursday is going to be the third. Okay, it may be Friday. I may do it Friday again. It definitely won't be Wednesday. I have something to do on Wednesday. So 
probably, I'm guessing January 4th, Friday, but likely the 3rd or the 4th. Check the Poker Fraud Alert Twitter or just PokerFraudAlert.com. There's a little blue banner near the top that updates when radio is going to be. Check that. And you'll be updated. This show is once again a regular weekly show. For the most part. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Trader Ruski. For... Thank you, Draft. Happy New Year. I do have an extra ticket or two for CES if anybody's interested. DM me. Okay, well, let me stop this for a second. Where, when is he, I know where, when is CES? What, what are the dates? 7th, or the 8th through the uh, 11th or 12th. Okay, all right. Very good. And uh, if you do go to CES, don't sleep in your car. That's my tip here. Just uh, get a hotel room. It's worth it. Exactly. Even though the guy who killed the dude sleeping in the 24-hour fitness parking lot there for CES, even though that guy is in prison for 20 years, there, there may be others out there. And some people's cheapness can astound me. I think I'm cheap sometimes. And then I see the way other people are. I'm like, oh my goodness. I cannot believe it. I'm a believer in value cheapness. Like, I, I, what I, my favorite thing is to save money on something I'm going to get anyway. I like paying less money for the same thing I'm, I was already going to buy. I don't like buying substandard things and saving money that way. So, like, I, I'm not going to want to save money by sleeping in my car instead of a hotel. I'm not going to want to sleep in a horrible hotel to save money over sleeping in an average hotel. I just always want to get value in anything I do. And value can be found in many ways. Value can be found in expensive things, too. And sometimes there can be very poor value in things that are cheap. If the same item, the same type of item, if the $10 version of that item is really worth $5, and if the $50 version of that item is really worth $75, you're probably better off buying the $50 version, as long as you can make use of the things that are better about it. Sometimes cheaper is not always better. Even value-wise. That is advice from a cheap Jew. That is all for tonight. Sorry we're not doing five hours here, but hey, at least you got a show, right? We'll have one next week. Good night. And Shalom.